Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Sports Unlimited. My name is Brandon Biscobing, and I'll be here bringing you three hours worth of great sports coverage from right here on the Grand Strand up in North Myrtle Beach. Bring you some Grand Strand stuff, primarily talking about Grand Strand stuff. But if you want to talk about other things around the state, even if you want to talk about some national stuff, we're all here. So if you want to call in, talk some sports with me. Come on in, 323-784-9681 is the number to call that number. Once again, 323-784-9681. Got a loaded show tonight, this morning. Chase Simmons will be joining me in a little under half an hour at 730 from North Myrtle Beach. Adam Randall, who's been getting a lot of offers and a lot of looks from colleges from Myrtle Beach, he'll be jumping on at 8. And then at 9 o'clock, the sports director from WPDE, the ABC affiliate here in Myrtle Beach, Channel 15, Brandon Dunn, will be joining me as well. So lots of things to talk about, lots of fun content coming your way. And let's jump right into it. First, let's talk about some grimages from last week. The the, The big one this week here on the Grand Strand was Carolina Forest against North Myrtle Beach, and Carolina Forest was able to come out on top in that one, won 21-14, probably should have been uh, 21-7. That last touchdown was kind of in uh, time, essentially, actually the last play of the game. They stopped the game a little early, the scrimmage a little early, 
following the touchdown by the Chiefs. Uh, but, you know, a lot of good moments for the Panthers. Uh, the Panthers looked strong this week, this past weekend. The first play of the game was a Jalen Porter interception. And then he proceeded to get another one in the first quarter as well. So he had a very strong first quarter, first quarter and first half. Uh, Cam Freeman, you know, looked a little rusty to start off. Obviously, he's more of a baseball guy, uh, you know, committed to, to Clemson, uh, you know, to uh, to play baseball for them. Someone, you know, he's been he's been a guy that's been. Uh, or excuse me, uh, he's he's actually going to Georgia Tech. Uh, mixed him and Billy Barlow up. Sorry, guys. Uh, you know, Cam going over to Georgia Tech. He's been, you know, he's been on the baseball diamond for the majority of the year, working on his pitching and everything. I've talked about him a little bit earlier on uh, in the summer when he was at Diamond Prospects. So, you know, he's a guy that, Oh, yeah, he's a good quarterback, but he's primarily, you know, he's not one of those guys that is, his main focus is on football. So, you know, but, you know, don't worry, Chiefs fans. I'm sure he'll he'll improve throughout the season. We'll talk to uh, one. Of, we'll talk to one of his teammates. We'll talk to uh, Chase Simmons in a little bit. So, you know, ask him about how he felt the scrimmage went this past week. Uh, but like I said, you know, Jalen Porter played very well, came up big time in the first half, getting those two interceptions. Nevin Tyler also got into the action with a pick. Uh, You know, and Watkins played very well running around the field. He had a few good rushes and a few good throws. Savion Pinckney uh, had some good rushes. So a lot of good things in – and you know, I mentioned it when I was on when I was on Southern Sports Central uh, with Richie, and, and I've mentioned I mentioned it last week as well when we when I was talking about the scrimmage and whatnot. Going into the season, prior to seeing this Panther team in action, I was thinking, okay, this team they're still going to be good, but they may not necessarily be what they were last year that they've lost from last year to this year. You know, they lost basically their entire offense. You know, losing Mason Garcia, losing Josh Murphy, losing Leggett, and and losing Anthony Morrow. Those are three pieces. You know, you don't lose four Division One caliber players in a season and not get affected. But good sign for the Panther fans. It doesn't look like their offense is really slowing down all that much. And their defense this past week was very solid, played very well. And, you know, it, it's it's something that, you know, Panther fans can be happy about. You know, Chiefs fans have some things to look forward to, too. Don't get me wrong. They, they're a team that's going to be in the hunt in in. Region six over in four A as well, so lots of things to look forward to uh, on the Grand Strand this season. We'll talk a little more about 
what's to come a little bit later, maybe uh, after talking to Chase, because we uh, we have Adam Randall on later on at eight. So that's you know the the big matchup this weekend or today rather later on tonight is going to be that Carolina Forest Myrtle Beach. Uh, matchup and I've got a big take when it comes to that so be sure to stay tuned for that we'll go a little bit uh more around uh the area and and a little more around the the state real quick before we get Simmons on we'll give you the e- evening sports page all 23 all-region teams. First up in the upstate, a few notable names. Trey Horn from T.L. Hanna was named one of two uh, all-region quarterbacks from the class of 2023. Hunter Pick- Hunter Puckett from Westside, all-upstate all running back. Cam Johnson out of Seneca from for an offensive lineman, Marky Anderson from Dorman made it. Bryce Smith from Daniel, offensive lineman. Jake Norris from Wren. And Cameron Jackson from Spartanburg round out the offensive lineman. For the athletes, DJ Porter, who we'll about a little bit later from Dorman. Uh, or excuse me, that's DJ Aiken we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, he He's an athlete. Uh, Got the uh, special teams pick out of Greenville. Raheem Jeter, quarterback from Spartanburg, was was considered next in line, as was Omaria Daniels, old quarterback from Gaffney. And another quarterback, Judy Bennett from Hillcrest, also next in line. Defensively, DJ Kittles out of Greenville, defensive lineman. Pardorian Morton from Greenwood, defensive lineman. Another Greenwood guy, Carson Lewis. So that defensive line for Greenwood is going to look strong this season. Linebackers, Luke Schuller from Wren. And Ty Cade from Abbeville. Over on the secondary, Moosey Wilson, Williams from Greenwood. Cade Evenson from Seneca. And Nehemian, Nehema, excuse me, Smith from Westside for the defensive backs. Two Lawrence guys for the athletes, Jemire Darden and Kaysen Eldridge, from, both from Lawrence and Bryce Payne, also an athlete from Wahala. And then for special teams, a long snapper from Dorman, Braden Coven. Next in line for them, linebacker Tyler Iverson, Iverson, excuse me, out of Seneca. Kevion Aiken from Woodmont, linebacker, and Graham Littlejohn from Chapman, also another linebacker. That's the all-upstate team. All-Midlands team from Chapman, quarterback Hunter Shepard. Nation Ford, Carson Black, quarterback. From Saluda, we'll talk about Saluda a little bit later on. Some some sad news from coming out of Saluda this week. Running back Northwestern 
Kwai Harris or Kwai Howard, excuse me, running back from Dutch Fork, Devin Hyatt. He's a great player out at Dutch Fork, wide receiver. Jaden Harrison out of Westwood. He's another running or wide receiver, and I'll be seeing him later on in the season when Westwood faces Carolina Forest. So that that's going to be a good game later on in the season. Um, you know, lots of lots of good games looking to look forward to this season. Uh, Amari Davis, the flex from Clover. Jordan Knox, offensive lineman from Northwestern. Jeremiah Williams from Strom Thurmond, offensive lineman. We'll talk about Strom Thurmond a little bit later on as well. Some uh, some disappointing news for them. Uh, Jack Beecham, Indian Land, offensive lineman. Cole from Ben Lippett, offensive lineman. Another Westwood guy, Noah Jennings, athlete. Apollos Cook from River Bluff. Another athlete, Chance Jennings from Gilbert, is the it rounds out the athletes. And then Dylan Richardson, the kicker from Hammond, gets the special teams nod. Next in line over in the Midlands from South Point, running back Caleb Sims. Gray Herring from River Bluff, running back. Brooks Bentley from River Bluff, quarterback. And Zion Agnew from Ridgewood view wide receiver going on the defensive side Xavier McLeod from Tallinian Bird from River Bluff Elijah Lala Raiden from Gray Collegiate Kanan Ligons from Ridge Spring defensive lineman Evan Davis from Spring Valley Spring Valley for the linebacker, E.J. Barksdale from South Point, defensive back. Zai Moffett from Lancaster, defensive back. Richland Northeast, Zachary Watkins, the, rounds out the defensive backs. And then athlete, Blaine Blose from River Bluff. Logan Whitaker from Buford. Brady Orr, kicker, punter from River Bluff, gets the nod for the special teams. And then next in line, Dutch Forks linebacker Jalen Hinn and another Dutch Fork linebacker Chandler Perry. So not quite there yet. Dutch Fork still core, but they're on the rise, that is for sure. Down in low country, over where Richie calls his game, their quarterback Zolt. Zoltan Osborne gets the nod. Drew Moore from Goose Creek also gets the nod from quarterback. Takiz Williams from West Ashley for running back. Jalen Linder from Bluffton for the wide receiver spot. Peterkin from West Ashley for the flex. Andre Mitchell from Cane Bay for offensive lineman. Joseph Steen from West Ashley, also an offensive lineman. Amari Simmons from Bluffton, athlete. For the special teams, Clay Pender, kicker from Barnwell. 
Zay Washington, running back from Lake Marion, next in line, as is Hampton Weathers, quarterback from Berkeley. Going on the defensive side, Eamon Smalls from Buford, defensive lineman. Dylan Loftus from Stratford, defensive lineman. Jaden Roper from Stahl. Going over to the linebackers, TJ Wilson from Ashley Ridge. Omari Jenkins from Timberland. We'll talk about them a little bit later on as well. Daryl DePass from Buford for defensive back. Jordan Turner from Goose Creek, also a defensive back. Ja'Kai Robinson from Stratford, defensive back. Connor Thorold from Wando got an athlete spot. And next in line, Brendan Carter's cornerback from Stratford, and Landon Berry, linebacker from Wando. And now the big, the, the big uh, group, at least here for me personally, and the big name right off the bat for the all-PD team for the class of 2023, Scott Saylor from Carolina Forest. So two great quarterbacks uh, on – on Carolina Forest this season. It's going to be very interesting. No official indication yet on who's going to be starting for the Panthers this season yet between Watkins and Saylor. Uh, but this this year it's going to be it, it's going to be a lot of fun to see how whoever gets the reins is able to handle the pressure of taking over for a guy like a Mason Garcia that went Division One, you know, and the good thing for Sailor is that, you know, he's he's young. He he's in. He's a he's a sophomore, so it's not like he has to necessarily be rushed into that. Uh, you know, moving on, Cameron Ward from Myrtle Beach, running back. Marvin Gordon from Lakeview, also a running back. Brandon Sissy from Lakewood. He's wide receiver. Tayshawn Sellers from South Florence, wide receiver. I'll be seeing South Florence in action next week when they come out to Myrtle Beach, out to Carolina Forest to face the the Panthers. That should be a good one. Some disappointing news, however, that came out uh that I found out about this uh, earlier this week. Hashan William or Wilson, excuse me. Hashan Wilson is going to be out for the entire season. No official word on what his injury is, but that's still a big blow for South Florence. He was getting some looks, official offers yet, but he was a guy that you know, colleges were looking at and and he was someone that looked like he was, you know, at least had the chance to play at the next level. Uh, But, you know, not sure, you know, losing that entire senior year is going to hurt you a lot, obviously. So disappointed for him. I was looking forward to seeing him play in a couple of weeks. Uh, But unfortunately, he'll be missing the entire season. And that's a big blow for South Florence, especially considering this season, it's not like other seasons where you get three, four, 
you know, three or four spots in the playoffs. This year is just going to be two per region. And there, I don't believe there are going to be any wild card spots either, or at large bids, or whatever you want to call them. So you really have to be on top of your game in order to get into the playoffs this season. And especially over in 4A Region 6. Because not only do you have to contend with six other teams, there are seven teams now in Region 6 4A, which is going to make it even harder. But also, you have some of the best teams in the state over there. You know, Myrtle Beach is, is I would have to say, is the odds-on favorite to win the whole thing this year. And then you still have Wilson there. They have a great team. You know, North Myrtle Beach is still, you know, a team that, you know, can do some damage. You know, they don't have the flash of a Myrtle Beach. Uh, but, you know, they've got some, you know, like we're going to talk about, you know, we're going to be talking to Chase Simmons in just a little bit. You got Chase Simmons over there. You got Zane Smith, one of the best kickers in the state, if not the country, over there at NMB. But, you know, they have to contend with, you know, I mean, I think everyone can agree that North Myrtle or that Myrtle Beach is the odds on favorite over there. You know, you still have Hartsville over there with Bailey Carraway. You know, you and and they also have Tyon Evans. You you still got uh, West Florence. Uh, you know, that's a team that, that could potentially be do, could potentially do something. So I would have to say, I think the, and, you know, Wilson is still a good team. Wilson, you know, Har- Harrison Muldrow, you know, he, he's a very talented player over there. You know, they've got some good pieces over there as well over at Wilson. You know, losing a player of the caliber of Hassan Wilson that's going to hurt your chances, especially this year. So a, a big blow to South Florence. Uh, you know, obviously hope that Wilson gets better uh, soon. But you know, you know it 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 de- it definitely doesn't help the Bruins, and not to mention the fact that they're bringing in a brand new head coach this season. So and and with the pandemic and everything. They've had to learn that offense and learn the whole system without really being able to practice it and really be able to put it into motion all that much uh, outside of, you know, virtually. You haven't really been able to actually do things just a few weeks ago, you know, just 10 days ago. So it's it's been, you know, it, I think... South Florence is going to be a team that's going to be, you know, they're going to be a contender, but I'm not sure if they're quite there yet, considering, you know, considering they lose Wilson and considering they have to, you know, learn that system. And those first couple of games are kind of going to be learning curve games, I feel, for them. But going back to the all-PD team, you got Amon Myers, Flex, over at C.E. Murray. Bryson Dickens from Lakewood, offensive lineman. 
holding Calder from Green C. Floyd's offensive lineman. So Jaquan Dixon gets some help over there. We'll talk about Green C. Floyd's a little bit later with Brandon Dunn. Uh, I think you have to imagine that they're probably the odds-on favorite to three-peat this season over in single A. From Chesterfield, offensive lineman, Adam Benesikwith from McBee, offensive lineman, Nathan Thompson from Conway, offensive lineman. The Tigers get some help. They saw an Jayshawn Anderson from Hartsville, athlete. More help for Hartsville. Daquan Burroughs from Johnsonville, athlete. Henry Evans from C.E. Murray, athlete. Special teams is Daniel Deneen from St. James. Next in line, Lenora Sellers, quarterback from South Florence. Jeremiah Horace, running back from Sump. Lucas Hunter, quarterback from Dillon. And yet Yonker, Jarrett Yonker, excuse me, quarterback from Waccamaw. Over on the defensive side, Sumter gets more guys on the defensive line that are getting high praise. Montique Rames from Sumter, defensive lineman, another top defensive lineman for Sumter. And I think, and, and Richie and I were talking about apparently, you know, during the scrimmage, against Fort Dorchester, they were able to shut down that defensive line pretty well. So maybe a little bit more hype than substance, but we'll, you know, it it is a scrimmage. So not, uh, not sure how much you can really take from a scrimmage, but still the fact that, you know, there are so many guys on that Sumter defensive line that are getting some high praise from around the state, around the country. You know, obviously you got Justice Boone that's being recruit that has already committed to Florida, has gotten, has gotten offers from teams around the country. Uh, I think recently he got an offer from Ohio State which is big, you know, and, and obviously, you know, you still have, you have Miles Caper over there as well on the defensive line. And that Sumpter team, and and even going further down, you got DJ Jackson, who's, you know, who's a junior over at Sumter. He's another defensive end who's getting some love. So that defensive line, and, you know, like I said, I haven't been able to see it yet. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it this year. And like I said, Richie mentioned that they, they weren't, you know, they were, you know, but, uh, you know, that's, that defensive line, I think is going to be one, uh, one to watch real quick, rounding it out as we are waiting just, just a few minutes away from Chase Simmons jumping on, rounding out the all-PD team. Emmanuel Diaz from Anor, Jonathan Davis from Wilson, defensive line. Joshua McPherson from Wilson, linebacker. Terry and Nelson from Lakewood, linebacker. Grayson Goley from St. James, linebacker. 
Jay Woodard from Conway, defensive back. Zaire Gamble from Sumter, defensive back. North Myrtle Beach guy Avery Duncan, defensive back. Josiah Oaks from Crestwood, defensive back. The athletes, Lakewood's Amarian Smith, Keon White from Latta, and Jirion DeWitt from North Myrtle Beach. So that rounds out all of the evening sports page, all region teams for the class of 2023. You know, some, some good names on there, some some guys to look at uh, moving forward. Some of these guys may not even necessarily play this season, uh, but, you know, th- it, it's going to be an interesting year. Uh, so we'll we'll take a quick break. We got Chase Simmons on the line, and we'll come right back and talk with him and talk some more high school sports here on Sports Unlimited. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! Welcome to the big show. Welcome to the big show. 
Welcome back as we have Chase Simmons joining us from North Myrtle Beach. How's it going, Chase? It's going good. Just ready to get to work this season. It's just starting. We got a scrimmage hopefully tomorrow morning due to the rain and stuff. But yeah. we're just trying to get in, into the groove of things again. Yeah, I saw that, that unfortunately as a result of the rain, your the, the scrimmage tomorrow what which was supposed to be well, which was supposed to be tonight, uh, right. was moved over to tomorrow morning as a result of the rain. That that field yep. looks soaked. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's <laughs> that's the biggest thing. We want to make sure we're good for uh, next Friday with uh, Hartsville. Yeah. Uh, you know the upcoming game. So, I mean, we're we're taking notes and getting ready for for the rest of the season. We're doing what we can though. Definitely. Now you guys. A scrimmage this past uh, weekend on Saturday against Carolina Forest, and you know, while you know it, it obviously wasn't the way you guys wanted it to go. Is there anything that that you guys saw throughout the scrimmage that you know is something that you guys can work on, especially on your side of the ball? Yes, sir. Most definitely. Uh, as far as like knowing what to do as far as our defensive tackles. So, I mean, me and Trey have been there for about the all through high school, so we we pretty much know everything. We got two guys that are getting into the groove. So, as far as being on pace with them, um, we're making sure that, you know, they can maintain what they got to do as far as the interior of the defensive line. And, uh, you know, we, we went through it at, through it at practice and went through the film and stuff, and there's some things that we need to work on, but some things that we did good, some some little mistakes that we got to tweak on. So, I mean, and it was the we've we've only had about three practices practices with full pads. So, we're just we're getting into it. We'll be all right. How hard has that been this season, especially with some of the younger guys that haven't been through the rigors of practice like you and some of the older guys have been, getting them ready for the season when you've on, when you essentially only have two or three weeks to get them prepared. Right. It's it's tough. Um, the coaches always say that JV is not my varsity, so, and that's what we try to express to them. And uh, they, they realize that in practice, but especially in the game, because, I mean, we're not killing, killing that practice. We're going to kill in the game. So, uh, you know, it's we're trying to get them to understand that it's a man's sport and that you got you got to really be into it once you hit that field. So, I mean, we're speaking to them. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get in, get into their brain. But you know, they'll find out just like I did going out there and you know hit, hitting the pads. Did Did any of the younger guys after that come up to you and say, "Yeah, you were right. This This is a lot faster than JV." Yes, sir. Most definitely. Uh, I mean, everybody realizes once they once they get that first experience. So. Uh, I could tell a lot of guys were locked in uh, this last film session, these last few practices this week. So uh, hopefully, I'm, well, not hopefully, I have a good feeling that we're gonna come back strong. Uh, North Myrtle Beach is on the gonna be on the map this year. And you know, we were talking about it a little while ago. You guys having the scrimmage uh, this weekend. You know, tomorrow now is supposed to be tonight. But what what's the thing that, especially after last week, what's the one thing that you feel you both 
you you most need to work on overall on the defensive side? Uh, what's the what's the biggest thing that you're focused on going into that scrimmage against Marion? Uh, I mean, not just Marion, but as far as like working on what I can do to improve is uh. I, obviously, there's gonna be a lot, a lot of traps coming my way, a lot of, a lot of guards, uh, specifically coming my way. Just making sure that I stay tight to the line, you know, do my job. It's not my job to, to make every play. Uh, if there's a pool coming my way, it's my job to blow him up. So, just, just sticking to my, sticking to the program because it's about, it's about the wins and stuff. But uh, as far as what I can do to make sure that my, my games are better is uh doing my job because I mean if I do my job the plays come so has coach real mentioned anything to you over the off season especially with all of the work that you've been putting in with all of the uh with all of the uh showcases and and all of the practices and and getting all this hype getting everyone offered has coach real brought pulled you aside and said hey you're probably going to get a lot more double teams. You're going to get a lot more attention this year now as a result. Most definitely, most definitely. And and when that happens, it, it, it opens up a lot of stuff for our defense as well. So uh, it's, it's, it's just a mind thing. And, uh, you know, if, they, if they're thinking about me, then they're not thinking about one of my other guys. So it just brings more opportunity, and then we're, we're going to make plays regardless. Yeah, that that's a good point. That – you having that focal point and being the guy that all, all the offensive lines are going to be focused on gives the rest of the D line more opportunities because that double team is meaning you're pulling someone off of one of your other guys mm-hmm. potentially. To me about, you know, especially going into the summer, especially after what happened with the pandemic and getting everything shut down, what was, going into the summer where you just said I'm going to put my all into this because you really turned out big time this summer. Right. It was it was a uh, it was really my freshman year. And then my freshman year I started but I was really small. I was playing offensive tackle as a freshman on JV and uh you know I hated I, – I, I love the sport so much that I hated how small I was compared to these other guys. And uh, that next year I played JV again and got moved up. And, you know, I was still small. I was, I was angry. I didn't understand, but I also had wrestling. So it was like I was trying to – I was trying to play a game with it, you know, trying to make mm-hmm. the best decisions. And then uh, in my junior year, I ended up playing football at about 200 pounds, 195, 200. But I still wasn't at the at the – place I wanted to be and um you know I had a lot I had some hate going on you know you're too small to play defensive end you you know like just different words but you know I eat off that stuff so it, it was yeah. it was just some more food to eat when they said that and then uh you know I wrestled my junior year I did really good uh I think I went 54 and 4 something like that and then that state I got disqualified due to a legal slam but I ended up wrestling 182 so cutting that weight I had I had guys like, what are you doing? Why are you cutting weight? I thought you wanted to be big in football. Like, you know, it was just a lot of words mm-hmm. going on. And so I had to keep my, my mind straight, knowing what I had to do. And uh, thankful to my stepdad, he he knew what 
what he had to do as soon as the uh, wrestling season was over. And, I mean, as soon as the wrestling season was over, it was on. I mean, I was eating eight to 10,000 calories a day. Uh, as Coach Real, I was stacking his refrigerator with food, uh, like big meals. I was probably eating four of those at school every day until the pandemic. And, uh, I mean, it was tough, like, to the point where you just want to want to sleep, work out, eat all that food. You just want to – you just want to – you can't move, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's definitely a tough thing. I'm, a lot of guys think that the weight room is the most important, but if, you, if you're not eating and you're not putting in the calories, that weight room is not going to do much for you, so. Yeah. Well, you mentioned it, you know, a little while ago, and I know you were getting a lot of flack for it because of having to cut weight for it. How much does has wrestling helped with, you know, your feet work and with your hands and stuff like that going into, you know, playing football? Right. I mean, I'd say this to anybody. Uh, if I didn't wrestle, I wouldn't be the football player I am today. Uh, it's It's really shaped me into the man I am. And the the physicality I have, like mentally and and my drive, you know, wrestling is a wrestling is a big uh, is a sport where you got to be mental with it. You you it doesn't matter about strength, it doesn't matter about anything. If you're mental and, and you learn and you know what you're doing, you can win almost any match. It don't matter how strong that other guy is. So it was it was it's always just a mental thing. That's why that's why hate is a good thing because cause you you feed off off of that. You know, with wrestling, there's so much hate. So, I mean, just mentally with wrestling, it's helped me a lot. Now, physically, my hands, it's just, my hands are obviously faster because I'm used to having to, you know, make moves, hit my shot, hesitate. And then uh, my footwork's also, my balance is the biggest thing. Wrestling is the biggest thing to help your balance because, I mean, you can't pin a guy with no balance, you know. That's like, it's just not going to work. So, if I didn't wrestle, I know for a fact that I wouldn't be as good as I am now, which I still got a lot of work to do. And uh, that's why I, you know, train every day and and try to get get the things that you know you're not good at even better. So uh, we still, we still on the long road. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree with you. I didn't even really th- necessarily think about it at first until you mentioned it. But you know, a lot you you always hear about offensive and defensive linemen taking dance classes and stuff like that to work on their feet their footwork throughout the off season, but like you mentioned, both hands and feet wise, you're basically essentially doing the same motions in wrestling, uh, you know, whenever you're on the mat. So all of those young, you know, up and coming uh, offensive and defensive linemen that want to get better at football, there's your answer. Go do wrestling right. in the in the in the winter. Yes, sir. Talk to us real quick about you know. How the recruiting process was, you know, just and just your emotions, you know, when you found when you got that first offer, and and just how it's been getting all this attention throughout the off season. All right, you know, even even trying to explain it, I just sit here and smile because I mean, all that hard work I put in. Uh, this is like you know. This is what you want. This is what you want is to is to have that shine. Have the, have those people that say, "Oh, that's Chase Simmons." You know, like look what he's done. You know, I, I want people to look at me and say, "Oh, I want to be like that guy. I want to be like that guy. I'm gonna work hard." So you know, and I got a lot of a lot of kids that look up up to me at North Myrtle Beach, and that's what you know. That's what that's what I want. And uh, you know, 
putting all this work in in the off season and training hard. It's just when you get that first offer and that feeling of you know I'm doing something right, you know. And when when the Lord opens you know doors like that, it's just it's a great feeling. You feel thankful, you know. You just want to thank thank God for the things that He's doing for you, uh, knowing that you're doing something something right. So you know, and not only is it is it promoting me, but but I'm helping my I'm helping North Myrtle Beach, you know. I'm promoting things and. I just want my I want Little River where I where I grew up to be known. You know, I want to make a name for Little River. Yeah, I, hey, well, you you could very well uh, be you know the the next big man out. I'm sure you've heard the news. I'm sure you saw earlier on this week uh, that Tamara Hemingway signed with Washington. So there's a there's a North Myrtle Beach and Little River guy that made it to the NFL. And who knows, maybe yeah. Chase Simmons will be next up. Yes, sir. That's the plan. Mo- moving on to this, you know, this upcoming season uh, before we let you go. Obviously, Myrtle Beach, especially last year, but over the last couple of years, has been the bane of of North Myrtle Beach's existence. And there's been that, you know, there's that intensity with the rivalry and everything. But what can the Chiefs do this season to get over that hump? Not only in the regular season, but if they end up meeting up in the playoffs. Right. Uh, I'll tell you, throughout my four years of playing uh, football, I play with these guys. And as far as leadership goes, I couldn't have better leaders. Now, there's guys that should step up. But, I mean, compared to last year, we we almost beat Myrtle, Myrtle Beach, and we should have. We were up by, by a few touchdowns. Uh, defense playing good. Offense was scoring. And, uh, you know, once again, mentally, we shut down in the fourth. And um, But that's because we didn't have leaders. We didn't have guys saying, let's go. You know, we made one mistake. We had a fumble, and uh, one of Myrtle Beach's defensive linemen picked it up for a touchdown. As soon as that happens, head goes down. That's why I say to my guys when I wrestle, you know, let's go. Like, one guy loses a match, it's not over. Let's go. Let's go, next guy. But, you know, you got to have them leaders where it's like, let's go. Like, you got to keep them. You got to keep them hyped into the game because when your head goes down as a leader, every other guy – that looks up to you, that knows your leader, is going to shut down. I don't. I don't care who it is. If if they feel like they're defeated, then then or if they feel like you're defeated, then they're going to feel defeated as well. So, I feel like uh, these leaders this year are really going to be on top of that and uh, keeping the guys into the game. You know, you got the first quarter. The fourth quarter is the mo- more important than the first quarter because you got to finish hard. You know, that's the hardest quarter to finish in, and. Uh, you got to finish as hard as you did in the first quarter, 100%. And uh, yeah, I think that, that was our biggest problem. Yeah, that's something yeah. that not only the football team had problems with last season against Myrtle Beach, but yeah. the basketball team had problems with it right. as well because both exactly. Myrtle Beach games for the boys, the Chiefs were up at the half and then proceeded yeah. to lose it in the second half. That's right. And it's all down to leadership. It's It's leadership. Well, you know, once again, you know, good luck this season. What what are you most looking forward to outside of obviously, you know, trying to win a state championship and, and trying to go as far as you possibly can? 
What are some of the little things that you're most looking forward to in your senior season? Uh, you know, first thing is the season. You know, <laughs> I wanted to you know play through. Uh, we have seven games, and I just want I want my guys to to you know know that they can do anything they put their mind to, and um, I, I just want to be a, I just want to be a star to these guys and make sure that when I'm gone that they that they know. That North Myrtle Beach, that North Myrtle Beach kids can do it too, cause cause some guys on our team think, oh, I'm from North Myrtle Beach, I don't know if I'll get looked at, but that's not the case, you know. Uh, if you work hard and, and people realize what you're doing and and you're training and you're, you know, making plays, then then you're gonna get seen. So you know, hopefully, hopefully when I when I'm gone next year, then that's the that's the thing. Well, that's one thing that a lot of kids and and you you are proof of this is the the big thing especially nowadays is putting that tape out uh online on twitter and and all of that and and really showing what you're made of you know not only during the season but in the off season as well is that something that you've been preaching to the rest of the teams especially the younger guys yes sir most definitely uh i'm i tell them to get as much experience as you can go to these showcases go to these things I mean, there's not, there's no point in being lazy sitting sitting at the house, you know, watching TV. You know, go go get some go get some experience. You know, you don't know who could be there that that could that could really like you, that could spark your your chance of doing something great. So, yeah, well, it it's been it, it's going to be a great season. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing what the Chiefs can do. Hopefully, you know. Hopefully they can get over that hump of Myrtle Beach. Uh, so oh, Chase, we got you. <laughs> Chase, good luck this season, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you later on. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Thank you. Once again, that's Chase Simmons from North Myrtle Beach. Great, great, always talking to him and. And you know, like he was mentioning, that that leadership when 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 things get tough, you know, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. That that old cliche saying, uh, but it's really true. It really is that you know, when when there's some adversity, a, a team needs that guy to say, "Hey, we're still in the lead, or we still have that momentum, and we're not out of this yet." We're we're not gonna you know we're not backing down, and you know that's that's something that hopefully for Chief fans that uh, Chase Simmons can do on the defensive end. You know if something happens in a game, especially a game you know a big game like against Myrtle Beach, that he can rally the troops and say, hey, we're still in the lead. Or we're still, you know, we're still, we got, we still have this under control, whatever it is. Uh, And, you know, we've got this. Some quick notes before we take a break, and then we've got Adam Randall coming up uh, in just a bit. I was talking about, I'll bring up some recruiting notes real quick. Like I mentioned, former Chief Tamara Hemingway signed with Washington this week. More and more Grand Strand guys getting in the NFL, which is great to see. 
Both Brian Edwards and Hunter Renfro out in Vegas uh, for the Raiders. It's great to see the Grand Strand becoming more of a football hotbed. You know, back, you know, back even, you know, even this area was basically the redheaded stepchild of South Carolina when it came to sports and, and athletics in general, where there weren't many recruits coming out. There weren't many, you know, names that were being looked at. But now, you know, you've got Chase Simmons, you know, you've got Luke Doty over at Myrtle Beach, who unfortunately wasn't named as the starter. We'll we'll talk about uh, who was named the starter a little bit later. Actually, I'll I'll just uh, mention that real quick. The South Carolina Gamecocks named former Dutch Fork quarterback. Former Dutch, or excuse me, former Dorman quarterback Colin Hill as their starter, but Doty will be starting this season at wide receiver, so he'll still get some playing time. And I think he is probably the quarterback. Obviously, it's still the you know it's just his freshman year, so not really much of a concern that the fact that he didn't get the starting job in his freshman year, not really all that surprising, but the fact that. Will Muschamp has enough faith in him that he's that he wants to, and he's been saying this all summer. Will Muschamp has that he wants to get Doty out there in some way, shape, or form, which is a great sign in in Muschamp's faith in his freshman quarterback who did play wide receiver for Myrtle Beach as well. So, you know, great great signs ahead for him. Um, some other uh, recruiting nuts real quick. Dutch Forks' Will Taylor was offered by Clemson. He's already committed there for baseball, and it'll be interesting to see if he chooses to be a two-sport, or two-sport athlete or if he chooses to just play one or the other. Lakewood Xavion Wells offered by Florida A&M. North Augusta's Jack Greenway got an offer from ECU, so potentially more South Carolina guys going over to East Carolina. Bluffton's DJ Aiken was offered by both Auburn and Georgia. So he's getting some big looks from some big-name schools. We'll try to get him on the show at some point. Pelion's Will Jeffcoat received an offer from Wofford. And then a few non-football offers this week. First on the boys' hardwood, Blythewood's Julian Phillips offered by Ohio State. And on the girls' side, Camden's Joyce Edwards was offered by Louisville. And that those are some big-time offers for some South Carolina guys. And then on the, on the diamond, A.J. Vereen from North Myrtle Beach committed to NC Central. So congratulations to him as well. So we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come right back, and we will have Adam Randall to talk. We'll go from one side of the Grand Strand to the other, North Myrtle Beach to Myrtle Beach, the two big rivals in the area. We'll talk to Adam Randall in just a little bit here on Sports Unlimited. Stay tuned.
I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my horse through the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached. Head is mad at black, got the boots black to match. Riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your Porsche. I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that porch now. Can't nobody tell me nothing. Welcome back as we're still waiting on Ch- on Adam Randall to call in. Still have another minute or so before he's planning on calling in. And real quick before we get to Adam Randall, because I mentioned it before, and I'm going to bring it up right now. I've got a hot take when it comes to a game that will be coming up later on tonight. And that is Carolina Forest against Myrtle Beach at Doug Shaw Stadium tonight at 6.30. And the hot take is this. This is the matchup to watch. Well, first off, this is the matchup to watch for the scrimmages before the season starts tonight. Out of the entire state, I'm going to say. Because I think these two teams, especially Myrtle Beach, and and after last week, after what Carolina Forest showed me, I think Carolina Forest could be a legitimate threat as well. These two teams very well could be in, you know, whether it's Columbia, we don't have an indication, obviously, with everything that's going on. We don't have an official word on where the state championships will be played this season, whether it's going to be at Williams-Brice this season still, or it's going to be elsewhere. I would personally say Williams-Brice is probably the smartest choice considering you know the fact that uh considering the fact that you'd be able to socially distance uh there but 
this is the matchup to watch uh, for the scrimmages. I think both teams could make deep runs into the playoffs at least. And here's the hot take. These are the two top teams on the grand strand. I don't care what anyone else says about, you know, North Myrtle Beach, Conway. These are the top two teams in the area. Last year, Myrtle Beach made it to the state finals. Carolina Forest made it to the semis. The year before that, Myrtle Beach won it all, while Carolina Forest was the only 5A Grand Strand team to win a playoff game. Yes, Myrtle Beach was able to get to the second round last year, but they lost to Myrtle Beach on both occasions. And we saw this past weekend that, you know, yeah, it's a scrimmage, but still this year, uh, this year especially, it looks as though Carolina Forest is going to be a better team than North Myrtle Beach. So especially considering how well Carolina Forest played against North Myrtle this past weekend, like I said, I think both of these teams have a chance to make big runs in the playoffs this season. And like I mentioned before, it's great seeing the Grand Strand become a hot spot on the gridiron, also on the hardwood and and over on the baseball field as well. Uh, Lots of recruits coming out of the Grand Strand, and we've got one on the line right now, Adam Randall out of Myrtle Beach High School, getting lots of offers. Adam, how's it going? What's up? What's up? How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Let's let's start it off right now. What are how are you feeling in preparation for the game tonight? Well, for the scrimmage tonight. Um, I feel like we've had a um, good week of practice this week, and we've been focusing dialed in, getting ready for um, this this week's scrimmage, and being prepared, uh, especially for next week when reaching game start up. So I mean, this will be a, this will be a good test for us tonight, and see where we're at and see what we need to work on and what we need to get better at because we know Carolina Forest has a good team and that they're going to bring their A game and we're going to bring our A game. So it's going to, it's going to be a good fight tonight. Yeah, like I said, that's, that's going to be the game to watch tonight. I'll be there tonight. Um, if, if I would have found out earlier about some things, I might have been doing the game tonight. But I'll just be watching. I'll be live tweeting uh, for Carolina Forest tonight. So if you want updates on the games, be sure to follow the Carolina Forest Twitter page. And uh, you know you've been getting a lot of you've been getting a lot of uh, offers, a lot of looks from some big time programs, especially a couple of weeks ago. You got two offers in one day, and from big time programs in that with Clemson and Oregon, just yes, walk us through that day and, and what was that like getting both of those big offers on one day? Well, um, that, is, that September 1st was the first day that um, recruits were, well, coaches were able to talk to recruits um, in the class of 2022 on the phone and through text. So um, Coach Grisham, the Clemson receiver coach, uh he hit me up uh, at like one o'clock that night as soon as we could uh, talk and he told me to call him and he just wanted to let me know that I had a scholarship to go play for them and I was ecstatic and excited. Um, so that's when that happened and then later on that day, um, Coach B Mac, the Oregon receiver coach, he um, called me that night and 
he told me that 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 they wanted that they wanted me in Oregon too. So I mean, just those college I'm at colleges and those programs, knowing that they want me to go and help them and hopefully make an impact on their team is just means a lot to me. After you got that Oregon uh, offer and, you know, once you sent it out on Twitter and everything, did, uh, you know, especially everything that's going on with the Pac-12, with with the Pac-12 right now, did did the uh, Clemson coach call you back and say, hey, no, you, you don't want to go out west. You you want to stay home. Um, uh, no, he didn't call me back. Uh, he texted me, though. He said, he said, um, well, you already know what's going to happen. You're going to start getting a lot more attention since we offered you because we're one of the top programs in the school. Um, they've done a good job recruiting me. A lot of schools have done a good job recruiting me. Um, and they, they speak to me weekly, and they send me a lot of stuff through the mail. So they just show me a lot of attention. Oregon also shows me a lot of attention, too, um, through via calls, Zoom, stuff like that. So they do they do a really good job of it. Just overall, I know you were getting a lot – you were getting some offers even before Oregon and, and Clemson offered, and then you also got another offer from Ole Miss uh, – shortly thereafter just you know talk about the overall recruiting process especially considering with the limited uh ability for coaches to contact recruits as a result of the pandemic and everything how has the process been uh and how has it been different than what you kind of originally expected um it's been a lot different um just knowing that in the past, recruits have been able to go to schools and colleges and visit through the spring. It was definitely devastating that we didn't that we did, I didn't get a chance to do that, and recruits in my class didn't get a chance to do that because of Corona. But I mean, it's the world we live in at this point, and just just figuring out ways to get in contact with coaches via Zoom, call, text. I mean, FaceTime. It's just different ways that we have to do it and be safe now. So, I mean, it's been different, but I've just been figuring out ways and different things to do to get in contact with coaches. Have you – because I know J.J. was kind of in your similar situation last year, and he decided to commit in in March – uh, do you have any idea of when you're planning on committing yet, or are you still kind of playing the field? Um, I'll, I'll hopefully be planning on committing at least by the end of February. Um, no later than that. I don't want to be going into the season not committed because that just it just um just throws you off a little bit and kind of worry about recruitment your senior year. And I just feel like it would be better for me if I knew where I was going and I was um, able to uh, have a good senior year and also learn a little bit of their playbook too. So hopefully I can go there in my freshman year and make a big impact. So basically, unless they move it, of course, you're planning on uh, committing for National Signing Day. Um. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Has, you know, especially considering he was basically in your same boat last year and, and even had even more offers than, than you do right now, and obviously it's still fairly early, so you may get even more. Uh, but has JJ kind of walked you through the process, and what kind of advice has he given you 
uh, on the on the whole recruitment process. Uh, yeah, um, he, he's telling me that he's he's told me to take it in and um, just enjoy the moment because um, it doesn't it doesn't come once that you recruit. It only comes once actually, and I'm blessed to be in the situation. So I just wanted to take it all in and thank all the coaches that have. Uh, Thought, thought highly of me enough to give me a scholarship to go play for their school because that's a that's a big honor. I mean, it's a lot of money to go to college and just to play football for school, and they're, they're going to pay for my whole college. That means a lot. So JJ has talked me through it, and just him and Luke. Uh, Luke has given me good advice too about just trying to take it in and go go where it's best for you. You know. Yeah. Um, speaking of Luke uh, Doty, have you? been in contact with him lately how has he been feeling you know being in college now and and everything uh me and luke talk daily actually me and luke have a great relationship we've had a great relationship since last year so i mean he he's loving it in carolina like he said he would last year and um i just think he's having a blast up there and even when they move his position for right now him playing receiver, he's making the best out of it. He knows he's an athlete, so he can play anywhere on the field. So yeah, me and Luke are in contact pretty much daily, and he's having fun up there, and he's enjoying it. Mo- moving on to this upcoming season, what's your relationship and chemistry with your new quarterback uh, Ryan Berger like so far, and and how have you guys been gelling thus far? Um. Well, actually, many people don't know this, but me and Ryan Berger, we've been having a relationship since we were uh, 12, 11 years old because we played uh, AAU basketball with each other, and he's always said he wanted to play football with me. I've always said I wanted to play football with him. So just me and him actually going into our junior year together, just being able him being the quarterback and me being one of the top receivers on the team in the state just means a lot that we we eventually we finally got the chance to play with each other and we finally got the chance to play with each other last year so I think it's going to be a blast and we have a we have a great chemistry and we've always had a great chemistry you know ha- having that friendship and chemistry with with your quarterback does that certainly help kind of get that connection and and kind of know where what each other is doing on the football field Yes, it really, it really does because, I mean, I go to all these camps and stuff like that, and the quarterbacks don't know where to throw the ball. It's not that they don't know where to throw the ball. It's just they don't know my tendencies and stuff like that. And Ryan has really picked up on my tendencies and stuff like that. He knows where to throw the ball, where to throw it on the outside of my shoulder, ready to rather the back shoulder it. Um, it, it. Me and really, Ryan have great chemistry, so that helps us a lot on the football field because he usually knows what I'm going to do before I do it. So, I mean, he, he he's a great quarterback, and he, he me and him chemistry is great. Obviously, last year made it to the state championship, but got knocked, you know, lost to Ren in the finals. What does this team? First off, what what did that loss do for this team in terms of motivation and everything? And then what does the team have to do to get over that hump and win the win the state championship this season? Um, basically, what that loss did, it, it made us a lot hungry, you know, because we know we, we, we can get to that point, but we, we know we got to win that point this year. 
Um, and especially it made a lot of the young guys and a lot of the old guys a lot hungrier. It made them realize that it, it's our time and that we can really do this and we can take it over the top and win it this year. So it just gives them and it, it gave a lot of the young guys, I think, gave them an example of what that environment is like and what it takes to get to that point and what it takes to actually win it. So it, I think that was a great experience for a lot of our young guys that are starting this year, and they know what it takes now to get to a state championship. So just them coming back that next week and working to get to that point, and even over the corona break, them steady working and keep getting to that point because they know eventually once we got back on that football field that we're going to have to take it to a whole bunch of teams because they know they're coming for our head. So just those young guys, I saw when they saw that loss, they took it to heart, and they were like, yeah, we're going to be back here next year, and we're going to win it next time. Having that kind of motivation, but like you mentioned, you know, especially with coronavirus and the limited practice and, and all of that, how has the team as a whole been gelling in this limited offseason, and, and do you think the team's completely ready for this thing next week? Um, we've been gelling pretty well. Um, we've been doing good. I think our defensively, we've gotten we've got a lot better over these past couple of weeks. Just people knowing what to do and where to be at, and their reactions, and uh, picking up on other teammates' t- tendencies and stuff like that. So, and offensively, we've gotten a lot better. Our offensive line is a little bit young, but they're going to get better over the season, over the time goes. And they're, they're going to be a great offensive line by the by the end of the season and by week. I think week four they're going to they're going to be killing it. So, I just us as a team, we're starting to gel and we're starting to roll, and uh, that's just where we need to be at right now. And once we get to rolling, we can't be stopped. Anything you're most looking forward to, whether on field or off the field, going into your senior season? Um, basically, what I'm hoping to look forward to, I'm hoping to hopefully stay healthy and show what I can do throughout of a throughout a whole season, and just be be the best version of me. Because last year I wasn't healthy. And hopefully me, I can have a 1,000 yards, and hopefully J.J. can have, have a 1,000 yards. So we just know if we stay healthy, health, uh, healthy that we can have a great season and that we can, we can, um, we can win statesmanship. And then one, one final question before I let you go. We we talked about it a little bit before, but you know what what are your expectations tonight for the scrimmage, and then kind of what what is the team most working on uh, going into the scrimmage tonight? Um, my expectation tonight is for Carolina Force to come over here and they're going to give us a good fight. Um, I know that our team is going to be ready for what they're going to throw at us. Um, so I'm just ready for it. It's going to be a good battle and we're, we're looking forward to hopefully just getting better, competing, you know, just being out there on the field once again and just getting better at our assignments and what we do so that we can get ready for the region. Well, thanks a lot uh, for joining us, Adam, and I'm looking forward to seeing you uh, put in that work tonight and and looking forward to a great season. Okay. All right. 
Thanks a lot for joining us once again. That's Adam Randall, class of 2022, wide receiver from Myrtle Beach High School, and they they're gonna they're gonna have a fun season. Uh, they're gonna have a good season. Uh, and and like I mentioned, this uh, night's game or tonight's cr- scrimmage against Carolina Forest is definitely gonna be a Definitely one to look forward to. Uh, so yeah, I I don't think I think it's completely sold out. I'm pretty sure it's completely sold out at this point. But like I mentioned, if if you want to follow all the action uh, for tonight, you can follow uh, the Carolina Forest football. Uh, broadcast page at CFHS Panther FBN Panthers FBN uh and there I'll be tweeting out some you know some stat not probably not stats but some uh highlights and 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 tweeting out all the updates that I can throughout the game so tonight could be a fun one uh and it's you know we're getting closer to that, you know, that regular season, uh, that that regular season, and it it's gonna be a lot of fun this this season. It, it's gonna be a different one. It's definitely gonna be a different one, but it's it's gonna be a lot of fun as well. Once again, if you guys want to join on and and call in and talk some sports with me, that number to call, 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll go around the rest of the state a little bit before uh, we have Brandon Dunn join us at 9 o'clock. We'll go around the state a little bit, take a break, maybe talk a little national sports for a little bit. And then we'll have Brandon Dunn on later on and be able to wrap up the show strong. Like I mentioned, we, we talked about all of the recruiting guys, but you know, lots of, lots of big names, lots of, uh, lots of guys in South Carolina. And not just from local schools. Like we, you know, we just talked to Adam Randall. He he got an offer from Oregon, which is one of the top programs in the country, one of the top programs out west. So the fact that these schools, and I mean, it also helps. Obviously, it helps nowadays. The internet and being able to see tape from anyone in the country. You're not limited to your geographical region you know back back in the day before the internet and before facebook and twitter and all of that most coaches most college coaches with a few exceptions but mo- most college coaches focused on one area and they wanted to dominate that area now if you think someone has talent, it doesn't matter where they're coming from. You can grab them. You can go after them. You know, now whether or not the recruit wants to go that far is a, is a completely different question. But the fact that you have that ability is is key. 
going around the rest of the uh, rest of South Carolina, like I mentioned, big, big game tonight, or big scrimmage tonight, Carolina Forest against Myrtle Beach, Doug Shaw Stadium. Definitely the the matchup to watch tonight. Um, you know, and those are, like I mentioned, I don't care what you say. I don't care about those two teams. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, they're good. But especially considering what happened last weekend, Carolina Forest and, and Myrtle Beach are the two teams on the Grand Strand right now. They are the top brands on the Grand Strand right now. Like we mentioned before, North Merrill Beach against Marion originally was supposed to happen tonight, but because of rain, it'll be tomorrow morning at 9. Some unfortunate news uh, this past weekend, it, it seemed like a bunch of teams got hit. Spartanburg County School District 3 shut down all of the football practices and games for two weeks after a positive COVID test. It only affects Brome High School, but that was the second 3A, well, technically the first from this week, but this was not a good week for 3A schools when it's come to COVID or anything. A lot of a lot of schools have been affected by things. Marlboro County was already affected by COVID earlier on in, I believe, August, I think it was at the beginning of August, uh, they they had a positive test and they had to shut down practice. Obviously, at that point, it was just conditioning. It, they were still in phase one, but still not not a good sign for uh, for Marlboro County. They they got affected this week for a different reason. Then Union County also announced that they shut down for two weeks following a positive COVID test. They became the third school to shut down in 3A. They were supposed to be a part of the McDonald's kickoff classic, Jamboree and Gaffney, uh, tonight. Uh, And it's also impacted their week one matchup against Emerald, which affects Clinton versus Emerald as well now. Uh, that game has been moved up uh, to Thursday of next week. Something we'll, we'll definitely have to talk about with Brandon Dunn when he comes on, but a very strange occurrence of events. This another 3A story. Anor was originally able to find at, find an opponent for them for week one which they they originally were going to have McBee come into the ANR, but that was dropped. They got Timberland to agree to play them, and then just a day later, it gets canceled. So ANR is kind of in a, a bit of a quandary right now when it comes to who they're going to be playing next week, and time is catching. So that's done if he has any sort of update on that lots of scrimmages and jamborees both today and tomorrow the a big jamboree over in chapin newberry barnwell spring valley lawrence mid carolina great collegiate chapin and westwood uh that that's going to be a fun one later on tonight 
Like I mentioned, Marlboro County got hit uh, not due to COVID, but due to weather. The their scrimmage against Chera was supposed to happen tonight, but was all, was moved to Saturday. Uh, and it just seems like they can't catch a break uh, this preseason. First, like I mentioned, having to postpone practice due to COVID, and now this. They're probably kind of glad that they're dropping down to 3A from 4A this season right now. Uh, Camden had to cancel the, the entire jamboree following COVID cases, so tough break for all of those schools that were going to be involved in that one. Uh, some, some tough news. Uh, well, first off, um, like I mentioned, uh, you know, it seems like 3A has been hit like crazy with COVID this week because Calhoun Falls had to drop out of the WCTEL classic due to a potential COVID. Um, that jamboree has been cursed this season because not only that, Strom Thurmond also had to shut down due to COVID. They were supposed to be in that jamboree as well. That's That was a fourth team in AAA that had to get shut down as a result of COVID this week. I don't know what's going on in AAA. You know, it seems like they're cursed and the WCTEL Classic has been cursed this year thus far. Uh, fortunately for the state overall, a lot of these, you know, the vast majority of these cases have been in lower classes. Obviously, 3A is right in the middle. But no cases thus far in 5A or 4A, which is a good sign. And it it has to make you wonder, you know, and... You know, obviously, the the kids in any class, in all classifications, you know, want to do well, want to take, you know, want to play well, want to win. But in 5A and 4A, a lot of these guys are looking to get to the next level and are taking it a lot more seriously and are putting in that extra work and. In, and part of that also is making sure that, well, right now, is making sure that they don't get sick. So I wonder if that's the reasoning for why you're not seeing any cases in 5A or 4A right now is because they understand I need to, even if it means sacrificing some of my social life, I need to make sure that I don't get this and, and thus stop the season or or stop a game or or what have you um so that that could be the case um but at the same time you are seeing the bigger schools getting hit with sanctions um as a result of potential violations of the covid rules um whereas the smaller schools are just getting you know just shutting down things uh on their own and that leads me to one of the bigger stories um, of the week, and that is that Spartanburg County School District 3 had to shut down – not Spartanburg School District 3. Uh, it is uh, 
is Greenwood uh, Emerald, the, the Greenwood County School District, at Greenwood Emerald N96, uh, all were removed from the WCTEL Classic, like I mentioned, uh, over in Abbeville due to SEHSL sanctions following an investigation that showed the schools had infractions on the COVID guidelines uh, for practice. The COVID or the Greenwood District 50 is a, is appealing today at 10 o'clock, so that'll be right after the show. Uh, but I'm assuming even if they do win their appeals case, that they wouldn't be able to rejoin the jamboree because that would just be too quick. Uh, Superintendent Steve Glenn uh, came out with a statement claiming that. Uh, The investigation shows no wrongdoing. He said, after our thorough investigation of the matter, we fully support both of our high school football teams and strongly disagree with the SEHSL's decision. After completing our investigation, we do not feel we committed an infraction. Therefore, we are appealing their decision. We'll see whether the SEHSL agrees with them today or not. but, you know, good good on the SEHSL. I mean, obviously, if they didn't do anything, you know, they need to win the appeals case. But if they did do something wrong, then I'd say good on the SEHSL to send that message early on that says, hey, you need to follow the guidelines that we put in place. Because if you don't, as we've seen with, with a lot of schools having to drop out of jamborees as a result, If you don't follow the guidelines and and someone gets sick as a result, you're going to get hit and hit hard. And, you know, do you really want to worry about putting the season at risk? You know, yes, I know teams want to practice and teams want to be able to do as much as they can. But this year, and, you know, the the question of uh, competitive advantage and all that that came up, but I just think this year is going to be such a strange year. Yes, some teams may have gotten a little bit more practicing, but all in all, they uh, you know teams are are going to be you know all all teams are going to be hit all teams are going to be affected this year. So that little bit of competitive advantage from having maybe two, one, two, three extra weeks to practice or to do conditioning, I don't think it's going to have that dire of an effect on the outcome of the season. So, you know, everyone just needs to follow the guidelines. Let's make sure we do the right thing. And make sure we've got a season. We'll take a quick break and then come right back. We'll talk some national sports uh, for the next half hour before we get Brandon Dunn on the line at 9 o'clock. And, uh, and of course, if you want to talk anything local, regional, national, what have you, whatever you want to talk about, we've got you covered right here on Sports Unlimited. That number to call, 323-784-9681. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back as we are just about 25 minutes away from having Brandon Dunn join us on the show. And we'll talk a little bit national sports news just for a little bit before he jumps on board. And of course, if you want to call in, continue the local talk, talk some South Carolina high school sports, uh, you know, or if you want to come on board and talk some national news. Be sure to jump on board. 323-784-9681 is that number to call once again. 323-784-9681. We'll start off over in the MLB. And the the big news, well, there's a lot of big news this week. But the, the first news topic I wanted to bring up real quick is Albert Pujols tying Willie Mays with 660 home runs. I think he's. I don't know if he's hit any more uh, since he tied, but that's a, that's a big feat for him. Uh, I talked about it on the show a a few weeks ago when probably about a month or so ago, uh, when he broke, when, when he, he moved up on the all time RBIs list. And I mentioned you know he's he's one of those players now that yes he's well known still but he's kind of the forgotten he's he's the forgotten superstar because a lot of people don't even realize he's still in the league because no one really talks about him anymore because for one he's kind of overshadowed in LA by Mike Trout and then on top of that the fact that the Angels aren't exactly the best team in the league right now. So he kind he gets overshadowed a lot. But good on him. He's still one of the top players in in baseball right now. And you now hopefully he can continue playing. He's he's getting up there in age. I mean, he's been playing since he's since the early mid 2000s, which is is crazy to think about. Uh, but you know, baseball obviously with uh with it being not quite as strenuous on your body, uh you can play for a longer period of time. So but good good on him. Uh the bit the big news this week all field is the fact that Steve Cohen has been approved to buy the Mets. Uh will this help the Mets improve? Hopefully, but who knows? It will help them to not have all the issues of the Wilpons looming over the franchise. And it seems as though Cohen is willing to throw some money uh, at the Mets and and use his resources to try to build this franchise back up. It's going to be nice to see multiple New York teams playing well. Obviously, the Yankees playing well, but, you know, the Mets have kind of been, I mean, they, they made it to the World Series a couple of years, or not made it to the, oh, yeah, they made it to the World Series a couple of years ago, uh, but they're they're still not quite, they're still not quite where they want to be, that's for sure. Uh, so this may be that way of, of them get getting over that hump and, and being able to 
you know, potentially win another World Series. As a Yankee fan, I wouldn't want that, but, you know, uh, I'd still be okay with the Mets winning a World Series, but we'll we'll see. It will certainly make the Yankees want to spend more money, that is for sure. Speaking of the Yankees, they got some help this week with both Giancarlo Stanton and Gio Urshela getting activated from the IL. Aaron Judge also got back into the starting lineup. And boy, did that pay off last night. Yankees hit five home runs in six batters last night. First time in franchise history that five home runs were hit in the same inning. And think about that for a second. Think about all of the names that have been on the Yankees, all the home runs. You know, you had the battle in 61 between Mantle and Maris for who was going to break Babe Ruth's record. You had Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig back, you know, in the 20s and 30s. You've had all of these great, great power hitters. They've never had, well, it may be because they've only had, you know, two, three, maybe four guys at most that can really hit it. But now, in today's game, you've got so many guys. I mean, basically the entire lineup can can hit the long ball. So, you know, well done for the Yankees. And, and it's, it's helped them, de- you know, it's helped them a lot. Uh, they're on an eight-game winning streak right now. They need, but they need to keep playing strong. They're they're three and a half games behind Tampa in the AL East with only ten games left. Can they catch the Rays? Yes. Will they? Not sure. But that's it. it it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how that AL East pans out, and you know the. The AL East is probably going to be one of the 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 AL East is definitely the toughest division in baseball right now. Uh, but you know whether whether or not it leads to them, uh, you know where where this leads them, and and whether or not the Yankees uh, are able to make that run, they obviously were considered. One of the favorites, them and and L.A. were considered the favorites going into this season. Uh, But, you know, it's it's been kind of it's it's been one of those very weird seasons, definitely. Um, And then the you know, the Yankees don't play Tampa anymore this season. Uh, Their final three set. Their final 10 games are Boston, uh, Toronto, and Miami. So Boston and probably Miami, I think those games are definitely winnable. Uh, oh, and they also play uh, – they also play um, – they're currently playing Baltimore, and then they play, they play Toronto twice. Uh, Baltimore is definitely winnable on the first two header yesterday or um or excuse me no i was i was right originally i'm looking at the schedule all wrong today 
but yeah, they're they're playing the Red Sox in Fenway tonight. Uh, you know, Red Sox definitely a winnable series. Uh, Toronto, Toronto's been strong, but you know, I think the Yankees can certainly win that one, and then the Marlins, uh, winnable as well. So, you know, can can they make that big run and and hope that Tampa kind of uh, slides a little bit? Yeah, but will it happen? Not sure. Speaking of Tampa, they are one of three teams to claim playoff bit, clinch playoff berths already, along with the White Sox who clinched last night and the Dodgers. So congratulations to those teams, and they're those those are teams. White Sox have probably been the biggest surprise of this shortened season with uh, with how well they've been playing. And one final MLB note, the bubble has officially been approved for the playoffs. AL playoffs, weirdly, will be in San Diego and L.A. Uh, you know, San Diego and NL team, I don't know whether they're going to be playing at Dodger Stadium or Anaheim Stadium in L.A. yet would make more sense to do it in uh in Anaheim. I I I don't get this uh because the NL players are playoffs are going to be in Houston and Arlington. Wouldn't it make more sense to have it the other way around? Have NL in San Diego and LA since that those two are NL stadiums and then Houston and Arlington be AL. I don't know. I I don't get that. I don't get that whatsoever. I would think it would make sense to have it the reverse. But, you know, there's probably some sort of method to the madness that I don't get. And then the World Series will be played in Arlington at the Rangers' new stadium. Uh, It's going to be weird... Uh, without fans, especially with with that new stadium, it's it, it's kind of ironic. It, it's kind of funny this year. At least that I can remember is the year with probably the most, maybe not quite the most, but at least close to it, the most new stadiums opened in one year. And this is the one year that fans cannot go to them because Texas opened their new stadium this season. And in the NFL, you both have SoFi opened in LA and then also the new Raiders stadium in Las Vegas. So, you know, you got three stadiums opening on the same year, and no one can go see them. It's kind of ironic. It's actually quite ironic to me. But this this thing this thing this year with uh, with them using our the Rangers new stadium for the World Series feels like the Super Bowl, uh, especially with it being a new stadium. A lot of times the NFL will put the Super Bowl in a newer stadium as a way to showcase it especially because as they continue to grow, those stadiums seem to be the the bigger and, and better stadiums. So the the league likes to showcase them. Could this be the beginning of a new trend? 
personally, I would like to say no. I hope it's not because that's one thing about the World Series and, you know, uh, and, you know, we've we've kind of seen it this year with, with basketball and especially with hockey, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But the fact that there aren't fans and there's no home court home court or home ice advantage has really impacted the playoffs, at least in my opinion. Uh, and I'll, I'll talk about one in particular that I think was really affected in, in just a little bit, but I would prefer them not to make this a recurring trend uh, obvious, you know, along with all the other changes that they've made to to baseball this season, I I don't want any of them to stick around following this season. I I could pretend, I could probably see it happening, but it, it would definitely take away from that home field advantage. And this isn't like in football where it's just one game; it would be a series. And not to mention, you know, baseball, while, yes, it has a built-in, you know, within the rules kind of home field advantage, it would still make it weird that they're playing, you know, seven, you know, four or five, six, seven games in the same stadium and then sw- basically just switching jerseys to determine home and away. So I, I don't want... I don't want this to stay beyond this year, but could I see it st- sticking around with M- Rob Manfred? Yeah, yeah, I could. We'll talk a little bit of uh, some NBA uh, or NHL. I'll leave NBA and NFL uh, and then college to talk about uh, at the end of the show following our discussion with Brandon Dunn, uh, who's coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, Dallas Stars and Tampa Bay Lightning will be playing in the Stanley Cup Finals. Kind of shocked that the Golden Knights didn't make the finals. Uh, they, you know, they were the surprise last year, uh, making it to the finals in their first season as a franchise. Uh, but you know, great season for them. They're they're that team. I'm I'm sure the I'm sure Seattle is hoping that the Kraken get the same amount of luck as the Golden Knights did. Will they? Probably not. But would it be amazing and incredible to see? Yeah. Yeah, it would. Uh great season for the Islanders, even if they didn't make it to the finals. They're a team on the rise. Uh great to see the Islanders being a, a competent team again after so many years of, you know, mediocrity. Uh, you know, if if the Devils and Rangers can get their acts together, which I think give it a couple more seasons than I think they can, New York could be another hot, could be a hotbed for hockey once again, which would be awesome to see. And for those of you, I, I know most of you who are listening to this show, um, you know, Grew grew up down here, and you know aren't really you know in tune with with hockey. All I gotta say is just 
especially right now with the playoffs. Go check it out. Go go watch a game. Go go give a game, give one of these games a shot in the Stanley Cup Finals because it is one of the most fun games to watch. It's it can it, there's something going on all the time. Hits galore. You know, if you like the big hits in football, you're gonna love the big hits in hockey. You got fighting. You've got you know there there's so many and, and then you still have the finesse and and the athleticism you know that you see in other sports as well. It's such a it, it's such a fun game to watch. Um, and I wish more people would would give it a chance instead of saying, "Oh, it's you know that Canadian sport." Uh, but you know, it's it, it's it's definitely a fun it, it's definitely the a, a fun sport to watch. It's one of the few sports that, unfortunately, because be because of you know how how my vision works it 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 wouldn't be one of the sports that I'd want to call uh but it's definitely a sport that I love watching and and that I love um you know I could probably I, I could potentially cover it but it's one it, it's one of those sports that I've never really gotten into in terms of covering but I've st- I've always enjoyed uh watching it uh so you know for for those of you who have never checked out hockey and never have given it a chance i definitely say go check it out go give it a chance and and you know it may not be your cup of tea it may not be you know the your your top choice of of sports to watch on any given week but you know if if you're not necessarily the biggest fan of, you know, baseball and basketball and you don't have anything to watch on, you know, a rank college for college football, you don't have uh you know, you you don't have um games on you don't have games on Tuesday. You don't have as much to watch this season because you don't have that Tuesday maxion. You don't have, you know, we didn't have a game on Thursday at all this week. So there aren't as many days where you've got college football. This is your chance. Take take that time uh, to, um, you know, check out some other sports. Give, give other sports a shot. Before we take our break uh, and get ready to talk to Brandon Dunn in just a little bit, some sad news in in the state of South Carolina this week. Uh, former Saluda head coach Hayward Bonite passed away uh, this week. Built Saluda into the program that is today in the two A state championship last season in football. Uh, and Spring Valley assistant football coach Charles Peterson passed away from COVID. Uh, he was also a scout for the St. Louis Cardinals. Big loss for for Spring Valley, and hopefully an indication for the the few that 
still maybe don't quite get it, uh, how serious this virus is, you know, um, you know, the Maori news, Ian, Ian Garen had it, uh, you know, Jerome Singleton, the commissioner of the SEHSL, he had his family has been directly affected by it a lot, which is why I have a lot of faith that, you know, he'll make the right decision on on things in regards to it uh, throughout the year uh, when it comes to football and all that. Uh, and then basketball coach, Jeff Harrelson's son also died. So condolences to all those families. Sorry to kind of go on to a break on a somber note, but I just wanted to get those out of the way. Um, so, you know, condolences to them, obviously. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can, we, we can do better, uh, moving forward so I'll take a quick little break and then we'll have Brandon Dunn joining us at 9 o'clock so be sure to stay tuned right here and as always if you want to join in on the conversation 323-784-9681 is that number to call that number again 323-784-9681 We'll take a quick break and come right back with some more... Can't no more. 
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited, and we have joining us Brandon Dunn, sports director over at WPDE, Channel 15 ABC. Brandon, how's it going? All right, how you guys doing this morning? Good, good. Brandon's talking uh, some sports today. I'm trying to talk some sports today. (laughs) Well, let's get right into it. First off, you know, obviously with everything uh, that's been going on, what have you been seeing that's been different this season in terms of practices and how teams have been getting ready uh, as compared to how it's been in some other years? You know, it's obviously been different. Um, a lot of programs have actually been practicing for for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Others have not. It just depends on what district uh, these teams are in. Um, you know, just the way they have to go about uh, not only preparing themselves for a game, but, but also practice uh, with – with in terms of, um, you know, the whole social distance, mm-hmm. safety measures, um, whether or not they can use a ball, that was a huge thing over the last two months. Uh, now that they're able to do that, now it's, well, can they get on the field and practice? Some districts haven't even allowed their teams to even be on the field to practice. If so, some have only practiced maybe a day or two. Uh, I think the biggest concern for for a lot of these coaches that I've talked to is that, you know, they're trying to prepare their teams to play a football game next week, and they haven't had the proper time to do so um, because their districts uh, are so concerned about the liability of COVID, but they also don't seem to be – I don't want to throw anything uh, anybody under the bus, but there's more of a liability to not have these – kids ready to play a football game and I mm-hmm. think that's been the biggest thing um, you're expecting some of these especially some of these smaller schools to throw freshmen and sophomores out there that have never been in a varsity game and say okay well he go go out there and play um, and you know they haven't even tackled uh, they haven't had any contact they haven't had scrimmages uh, and it's just, uh, I think it's, that's more, in my mind, more of a liability than anything else uh, that, that uh, could be COVID-related because they're so concerned about COVID that they're doing all the, the right measures to make sure that, um, that, that, you know, these kids are safe and the, and the coaches are safe. But in reality, they're not preparing these kids or not being able to prepare these kids uh, for games next week. Uh, and, and that's been the biggest thing that, that I've seen. And then, of course, a lot of these schools haven't scrimmaged either. So a lot of these kids haven't even uh, seen live action uh, yet this all uh, at, at all. And then uh, next Friday, hey, we're, we're going to go out there and go full contact for, for three hours. Yeah, and you mentioned it, and a lot of people have been bringing it up throughout the off season, especially as we got closer and closer and things kept on getting pushed further and further back of, like you were mentioning, the the difference in restrictions between one region and another, a lot of people have been worried about a competitive disadvantage or a competitive advantage for the schools that have been able to do more. Do you think that's a legitimate worry throughout the region that some of these schools that haven't gotten as much playing time and as much practice time 
are going to be going into games with with a competitive disadvantage? Oh yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. And and coaches throughout the area they they understand that too. And some of them uh, that have been able to practice longer than others, you know, their their whole thing is uh, it is what it is. Um, and you know you can't fault them for it because coaches want to win. I mean that that's why they're. That, that's why they're coaches. Uh, when it boils down to it, it's it's about wins and losses. And uh, if you can have an advantage over an opponent, it is what it is. Um, it it stinks, uh, you know, in some terms. But um, you know, in the in the times that we're in, if you've been able to have a team on on the field for say the last two two months, and another team has been on the field for two weeks. You know, you can't fault the guy that's been going for two months. Um, it's just because his district has allowed him the uh, the opportunity to, to, to do that. Uh, there's quite a few teams that come to mind when I when I think about that they've been on the field since, um, you know, probably July. And then there's mm-hmm. some that have been on the field for, you know, sept- you know the last two weeks. So yeah, there is there's clearly um, an advantage for for some programs, but you know um, you got to give it to those those districts that have allowed their uh, their teams to go out and practice and and uh, and do things uh, uh, social distance wise and, and make sure their kids are safe. Um, and the programs that have they haven't had any problems. Um, I've yeah. talked to a lot of their coaches and. They said that uh, things have, have have gone well, and then you turn around, and you look at other programs um, that have only been on the field for like two days because their districts won't allow them to do anything. I mean, Darlington County, uh, they've been practicing, but just this week voted to uh, to even allow their teams to play games. Uh, yeah. They've been practicing, but they haven't been able to play games. So that just passed on Tuesday. Um, so you know. I, it's uh it's been frustrating for a lot of coaches. Uh there there's no doubt and some of uh some have taken advantage of their situations and you know, the bottom line is uh they're gonna play a season and there's gonna be hopefully a, a championship and, and those coaches wanna win a title. Yeah. Well one one coach that definitely has gotten the, you know, raw end of the deal this season considering all of the restrictions is Drew Marlowe having to get his team ready and build a whole system over at South Florence. You, I know you were over there yesterday. What has his thoughts been on, you know, being able to get the team to learn the playbook and learn all the new plays and everything when he hasn't been able to run plays for, you know, all that long. Well, the thing about that situation um, and I'll throw this out here first. Um, I, I think Drew's the right guy for that job. Um, he's a great, he's a great guy. Uh, very strict, uh, disciplinary guy. Um, when I was there at practice earlier this week, uh, he's definitely high motivated, um, on the kids, uh, which is good. I mean, you know, you need a guy that's going to come in there and set that kind of tone early on. And that's, that was his first thing uh, that he mentioned when he came in was he was going to change the culture and he's going to hold kids uh, and, and, and everybody accountable. And that, that's, that's what you need to do if you're going to build a program um, in terms of him trying to, to win this year. Um, 
you know, that's the ultimate goal. Now, will it happen? I don't know. They've got they've got some talent over there. Now, the the loss of uh, of one of their main uh, main players um, to injury is is going to be is a devastating blow for them. Um, but you know, he's been able to be on the field uh, somewhat over the last month or so, um, and in summer workouts as well. The thing about Drew's situation is you know, being a new head coach and changing the culture. And I think that's going to be the biggest, uh, the biggest hurdle for him um, is to try to have that translate into, into wins. Now, does, they obviously want to win, uh, but I think that he has to build that program first. And the wins will come. I don't know how many they'll get this year. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's got his hands full, I'll just put it that way, of yeah. trying to, uh, to change some things right now. Yeah, he's definitely going to have his handful and, you know, with with so many limitations this year, it makes it even harder on him this season. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, and it, oh. and it does for any new head, fo- co- new head yeah. coach. Now, granted, that won't be the case at Green Sea Floyd's with Joey Price uh, just because of who he has back. I mean, Jaquan Dixon and Aaron Graham are two of the best players in the PD. So it just depends on the situation that you're in and, and what you have. Um, and in Drew's case, he, he had some talent. Uh, Hassan, though, losing him, that was a big loss. Uh, but Sellers is a good player, and he's got, he's got some good talent uh, around him. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's tough when you say, hey, you know, rebuild your program, but also play in Region 6, uh, which is the yeah. toughest region, uh, yeah. in my mind, in, in the state of South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, de- definitely. And that, yeah, that region is going to be stacked. Since you brought up uh, Green Sea Floyd's, uh, have you been able to see them yet? And do you, and do they look like they're primed and ready to three-peat this season? Yeah, I have. Um, now, I haven't seen them practice, but honestly, I don't need to because I know who they have coming back. Um, you know, like I said, Jaquan Dixon is arguably one of the best players in the state of South Carolina. He's just a special young man. Um I'm surprised he hasn't gotten more looks from uh, from uh, colleges. I think that'll come. It's just the fact that he plays at a smaller school. Aaron Graham will step in at quarterback uh, to replace Bubba Elliott, who graduated. Uh, 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 another talented young man who who uh, can get it done. Uh, that's going to be a dramatic um, backfield with Graham uh, quarterback and, and Jaquan uh, at tailback. Um, they got to plug in a couple of holes on the offensive line. Tanner Cox graduated, who, uh, who was an ABC 15 all zoner for us. Um, and uh, they, they're a little young up front. And they also play both ways, but those kids are used to playing both ways. So uh, and we're going to know a lot about Green Sea right from the get-go uh, next Friday because they have Lakeview, um, mm-hmm. which everybody knows is uh, was a battle twice last year, and including in that lower state championship. And Lakeview is uh, – is, is has had that game circled on their calendar for uh, for quite some time. So that that in my mind is the, is the best game of the night next Friday is uh, is Lakeview and Green Sea because it's two teams that are are clearly uh, in the top three in the state of South Carolina in Class A. Well, uh, you know what what would you say is the overall best team in the area that going into the season what team do you think is going to have the biggest run uh this season oh man you put me on the spot here early on man um 
you know, you you can't bet against Myrtle Beach um, for for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, Mickey Wilson has got another stacked um, roster. Uh, Ryan Berger coming into another year. Um, played solid at the end of last season, stepping in for Luke when Luke got hurt. Uh, that receiving core is just nasty with J.J. and Adam Randall. Um, you know, he's always got talent to plug in guys at, at spots. Uh, their offensive line, we'll see what happens with those guys, but their defense is going to be uh, just as good as last year. Um, they're going to be uh, – they're definitely be a team to watch. Um, Dylan is hungry. Uh, you know, they've lost back-to-back games uh, in the state championship the last two years. I-, I was over there on Tuesday, and that's grinding at them, uh, that the fact they've gotten there, but they've lost two in a row. That's not the way Dylan likes to end the season. So they're definitely hungry, and they've got some pieces. I'll be interested to see how their quarterback situation pans out because they've got two young men that are, are – uh, are battling for that for that starting position uh, right now. So it's the first time that I've actually can remember that Dylan didn't have a um, a, a solid guy under center uh, this late uh, preparing for the season. But um, Amari Huggins is going to Louisville for a reason because he's a stud. Nemo Squire, their tailback, is is bigger than uh, than he was last year. He's just a he reminds me of. Um, um, I totally slipped my mind. Um, Jermaine Martin out of Conway mm. from a few years ago plays at A&T. He's, he's, he reminds me a lot of uh, Jermaine. Uh, so Dylan definitely uh, heartful, even though Calabrese told me the other day that uh, his team is not very good because he hadn't been able to practice, but it's still heartful. So you never know what you're, yeah. you know, you know what you're going to get from a heartful club. Um, you know, those would be the three that, that, that step out to me uh, outside of Lakeview, Greenstein, Lamar, uh, because they're always they're always there, um, so it, it's basically the the same clubs you look at. Now there may be a club that's going to step out. I'm I'm impressed with Ainer. Uh, we're going to know about Ainer pretty quick though um, when they uh, when they go to Dillon in two weeks to to start their region. Uh, we'll know uh, what they got, but they they seem to have some solid players. So there's a lot of a uh, lot of groups. Uh, Carolina Forest, uh, you can't leave them out either. Um, you know, Mark Morris has done a remarkable job. Uh, Kyle Watkins stepping in uh, at quarterback seems to be very comfortable in that offense. Uh, their offensive line is big, uh, nasty fellas. Uh, you know, they, they've got a solid defense with some players mm-hmm. coming back. Um, Janik's back, who had, I think, 21 interceptions last year. Uh, so, you know, Carolina Forest, I think, is going to give it another run. Um, they had a what 160 kids come out for football. They have, they're going to have to cut 30. They're going to have to cut 30 kids. Yeah. Um, so you know, and that 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 stinks for Mark, and he even brought that up that he has to do that. But you know, if you're bringing that many kids out, you're doing the right yeah. things. Yeah, the fact that they they were able to get that many kids out uh, that want to play on the football team, and, and especially considering you know just a few years ago before Mark came to Carolina Forest, they were struggling mightily to to get players uh, to to stay at home in, in at Carolina Forest. Go, you know, looking at five A, um, you know, obviously the it looks like the team to beat is is going to be Sumter in region six. 
any of the local schools have a chance of knocking the Gamecocks off that perch? I, I mean, I honestly, uh, I honestly think um, Carolina Forest. To be to be honest with you, um, now clearly Carolina Forest has to go to Sumter to play, uh, which you know that that's going to be tough in itself when you when you have to go on the road uh, to to win a game like that. But I think Carolina Forest feels comfortable uh, with what they have. And they should because they have a lot of talent. Uh, the Gamecocks going in there, they're they're not going to be intimidated by Sumter. Um, they've been in they've been in big games before. I mean, coming off a lower state championship appearance a year ago, uh, I think that uh, I think that region is going to come to down down to that game. And uh, it's early on in the season, actually, it's not not that far away. So uh, I think it's going to come down whoever wins that wins that region. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, uh, that's uh, that. That'll be the game of the year in that region, uh, in my mind. And then the game prior to that for the Panthers is going to be the rivalry game against Conway. Where where do you see Conway this season? I guess you're thinking they're a little, they're kind of a little behind still uh, in that three spot. Yeah, I think Conway still has a little work to do. Um, I'm impressed with uh, Carlton Terry Jr. coming in at quarterback. Um, he, he looks a little bit more comfortable in that role uh, than maybe he did last year. Uh, he went off to, uh, to a couple of camps this summer and worked on his craft a little bit and uh, to get himself ready for this year. So I, I've been impressed with, uh, with him. Uh, obviously, the thing about Carolina, I mean, uh, Conway is their, their defensive line uh, is big. Um, and, uh, you, you know, uh, Jonah Freshly, who is a uh, um, – uh, an all zone or two. Uh, he, he's he's young, but he's gotten bigger. So their their offense and defensive lines are, are are big fellas. Now, will that translate to success on the field? Who knows? Uh, but they definitely look the part. Um, they've got some uh, talent, the skill position. So I mean, there's talent at Conway. There always is, um, and it's uh, it's a team that you, um, you you can't overlook because if you do, they'll beat you. Uh, so I expect Conway to be better than they were last year. And I, I think that uh, they feel the same way. Um, three wins uh, over the last, uh, you know, the last two years, they've won three games. Um, and that's not Conway football. And they understand that. The players understand that. And uh, so I, I think they'll, they'll be good. I just don't think that they're, they're at the level quite yet of, uh, of a Conway uh, or a uh, Carolina Forest and Sumter. I just don't believe that they're, uh, they're there yet. So will they get there? Uh, probably. Uh, because, like I said, it's Conway, uh, and they pride themselves on on, on playing uh, hard nosed football. Um, but I just don't think they have it uh, have have gotten there yet on uh, on par with those other teams. Now, and also the numbers too. Um, you you can't you can't look at the numbers and not say that's an advantage. Uh, and Carolina Forest clearly has that advantage, and it's it's only going to get bigger uh, considering this area is growing as fast as it is. Yeah. Well, and. Those are probably going to be some of the most fun matchups, especially for me because I love watching, you know, the battles of the trenches, seeing the the battles between Carolina Forest's offensive line and both Conway and Sumter's defensive lines. Those those two games, if you're one of those, you know, purists loving that, you know, battle in in the trenches type of game, those two are going to be Oh yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. And anybody that knows anything about football, um, like you and I, and 
and, and the people in your audience, uh, that's where you win the football. Uh, that's where you win exactly. football games. Uh, if if uh, if you have a solid offensive line and a good defensive line, that that's where you're going to win football games. It's 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 always been that way, and it'll always be that way. Um, and and those those teams you mentioned all have very good lines. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's just going to be uh, it's going to be who wants it more. Um, and uh, that's what it basically boils down to is who wants it more and, and who can uh, who can limit the mistakes, especially in offense, uh, an offensive line. Um, but you got to like Carolina Forest's offensive line because a lot of those guys have been together for a long time, and oh, yeah. they're no strangers to uh, to playing in big games. And uh, they'll, they'll, Mark Morris will have those guys ready to go. Absolutely. They looked like they were ready this past Saturday when they were playing against uh, Myrtle or against North Myrtle Beach. And t- tonight's going to be a big matchup against Myrtle Beach in the scrimmage. And moving down onto Myrtle Beach in 4A, I, I think we can both agree they are the team to beat in Region 6. Is there anyone outside of Myrtle Beach that you can see as a potential contender for the for the title of the region? Um, you know, I think one team you have to look for, which is a new team in this region, is West Florence. And the thing about West is Jody Jenneret's done a phenomenal job there. Uh, they've got the skill set, uh, the the numbers to give to give Myrtle a run. And and Jody will have his team fired up, and Jody will have that game circle on his calendar because he and and Mickey are tight. They're they're uh, they're good friends. So he would love nothing better than to to beat Mickey. Um, that would uh, that would put a feather in his cap. There's no doubt about that. But you know, I think that that's one team you have to look for uh, in that region. And and honestly, you can't overlook North Myrtle Beach. Um, you know, Matt Real has done a phenomenal job uh, with that program. And it started with Blair Harden with with Real on the on the staff. Um, what, what they've been able to accomplish in Little River and, and build uh, ha, has been uh, has been fun to watch. Uh, and anytime those two programs get on the field, uh, you know it's going to be it's going to be a battle. Uh, now, can North Myrtle beat them? I, I don't know, because uh, because Myrtle is just you know Myrtle, and mm-hmm. and having the players they have, uh, especially at receiver, uh, that's it's going to be tough uh, to, to beat Myrtle Beach, but. I, I would say uh, those two, and then Hartsville. Uh, you, you can't leave Hartsville out. So I, I mean, you can look up and down that region and be like, oh yeah, that team. Oh well, I forgot about that team. Oh yeah. That, yeah, I mean, just because it's you know, such a competitive. We don't even mention Wilson, and they have some of the. They have some great players yeah, over at Wilson too. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and and I'm glad you brought Wilson up. Uh, Derek Howard, you know, his club is solid. I mean. He might have uh, uh, one of the best uh, uh, quarterbacks in the state, in uh, Zayshon Rice. Um, he is he look he he's the part. He knows what he's doing. He's been in that offense a while. Their offensive line returns all five starters uh, who played last year. Um, their receivers are, are good. Um, you know, um, Austin's back running the rock. Uh, he got hurt last year. He's back. He's healthy. He's more zoned in. Their defense is. is it's good. It, it it always is. So, I mean, Wilson's going to be interesting, and and you know that that whole region is just like I said. You can you can flip a coin, man, on any mm-hmm. Friday night uh, and be like, oh, who's going to win this game? Well, let's flip a coin. 
um, because it's just you have to bring your A game, and those those guys do that uh, every Friday night. That's what makes that region so uh, so entertaining to watch. Is is it's just it, it, those, those teams are just good. I mean, they're up and down I mean, the up and down the roster. Yeah, it it was hard enough before the realignment with the six teams in there, but now you know you add in West and South Florence. And it just makes the region even tougher. Uh, you know, let, let me let me ask you this question because I was mentioning it earlier on in the show. Um, I think, especially when it comes to size and when it comes to you know the the prestige of the program. Obviously, you got Green C. Floyd uh, that has won you know back to back state championships, but you know they're a smaller school there in one A. Overall, I think the the two top teams in in the re, or in the area right now have to be Carolina Forest and Myrtle Beach with the success that they've had over the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Um, Myrtle's coming off a, a state championship appearance, um, one that uh, you know didn't go their way. Um, you know that game was from the get-go, just didn't seem like uh, it was going to be Myrtle's Day. Uh, and that's grinded at them uh, since the since the time they walked off the field uh, at Williams-Brice last year. Uh, that's been the that's been the motivating factor is to is to get back there and play in that game. And that that's going to be that's going to be their focus. They're going to be zoned in every Friday night. Mickey's going to have them zoned in to say, hey, remember what happened to us last year. Let's make sure we get back to Columbia and finish the job. But it starts tonight on this Friday night. We got to beat this team to get there. We got to beat this team to get there. Remember we're playing for a goal. So, uh, you know, you've got that definitely at, at Myrtle beach and then Carolina forest, uh, you know, they were in the lower state championship game, ran into a bus stall, which, you know, anybody that runs into that team and that program is going to, going to have their hands full, but that, that's you know, they want to get back here too. for any that seems to be a yearly occurrence for any lower state team is the Dutch Fork buzz, buzzsaw. Yeah, it is. And it's going to be that way until somebody knocks them off. Um, mm-hmm. Who that team's going to be, who knows? But Carolina Force, you got you got to put them in that conversation. Um, you know, if, if they get into that region and they go to Sumter and they beat Sumter, uh, watch out. Um, yeah. Because uh, they're, uh, they're going to be stout. And, and in fact, uh, we're gonna run um, their preview uh, on ABC 15 Thursday night. That'll be uh, that'll be our last one um, leading into their game on uh, on Friday. So we'll have a little bit more on Carolina Force and, and actually Myrtle Beach too was on Wednesday. So we'll have more on them too. I'm gonna I'm gonna head out to Myrtle sometime uh, probably Tuesday. Talk to Mickey and, and kind of see what those uh, what those guys are about. Are you gonna be at any of the uh, scrimmages t- tonight? No, actually, I'm going to be at Coastal tonight. Uh, for, oh, uh, yeah, for the I forgot that they play tonight. Yeah, for their shots home opener uh, against Campbell. So I'm looking forward to to seeing the old Teal Nation and uh, and what they got. They they were uh, they were very impressive in that win over Kansas. Yeah. Now, granted, it's Kansas, but I, I don't, you know, and anybody that says that, oh, it's Kansas. Well, let me tell you, any team in in the Sun Belt or 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 uh, or any team in in a, in a in a conference like that goes into a Big 12 school and beats them as as as, yeah, as, as handily as Coastal did, uh, says a lot about that program. And and I think Jamie's got himself um, 
a solid club. There, there's no doubt, no doubt about that. And I was impressed with Grayson. I, I want to see what Grayson McCall does tonight. Can he follow up a five-touchdown performance, or is he going to lay an egg? I think that's what a lot of people are going to be looking at tonight. Yeah, I mean, I, I think against Campbell, I think he can certainly – I don't know if he could put up a five-touchdown performance, but I definitely think that's a, a game that they should be winning. Uh, but like you mentioned, whether it is that, like, you know, hangover of the big win against Kansas – uh, I'll be over at Myrtle Beach tonight, so I'll be tuning into that game late. But, uh, but yeah, so going over to uh, 3A, um, is is Dylan the team to beat in Region 7, or do you think Anor has the chance of repeating this year? No, Dylan's the team to beat. Um, they are every year. Um, you know, what, 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 what they do, I don't know what they put in the water in, in, in Dylan – um, but whatever it is, man, they just they just grow athletes over there. So uh, each and every year, they're they're the standard. Um, you know, uh, Jody used to like to call uh, Myrtle Beach Myrtle Beach University, and the same thing for Dillon. It, it's you know a lot of people call it Dillon University just because of uh, you know what they love to. But yeah, Dillon, I think Dillon's a team to beat. I, I think Ainer's right there with them um, in, in some aspects. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that game plays out just because Dylan's going to be fired up after losing to Aner last year and, and not winning the region championship, which Aner won. So there's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of motivation from the Wildcats. And they, they, they made sure to let me know that, uh, they were coming for Aner, um, <laughs> this year when I was over there on Tuesday. So yeah, I would, I would say they're, uh, they're definitely the, <clears throat> the, the team to beat in, um, in 3A. Sticking over at Anor, which I know, I think you were over there yesterday, if I remember correctly. Uh, can you explain what happened with that whole scheduling situation with Anor and Timberland this week? Uh, and where, and where do you know, Anor go from here? Yeah. Well, they had they had decided to to play, and uh, whatever that day was when um, when Jason sent out the tweet saying, "Hey, we're going to play Timberland." Um, it was a done deal. Well, the next morning, Timberland called and said, well, we don't want to come to your house. We'd rather have you come here. Well, Jason wasn't, Jason said that. We, you know, he, he wasn't too keen in doing that. Um, a, because it's a long drive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Timberland um, isn't necessarily in a metropolis area. You know, so, uh, you know, there was a couple of factors in, in Jason's decision not to have them. But basically, Timberland – um, came back and just said they, they didn't want to they didn't want to come to Aner and Aner said well we don't want to come to you and that that kind of the way it happened so they just decided that you know since neither one of them could agree on where they wanted to play they would just they would just move on and uh, and try to find another game so that was that was kind of how it went out and you know I know I'm sure both both uh, Jason was disappointed you know he wanted to to have a game there and um, and Timberland was disappointed because they wanted to have a game too but. They just couldn't. They just couldn't agree on where they wanted to play the game, and so both coaches just decided to to move on and, and try to find another game. Because Timberland, I believe, only has two home games this year, and Aner has four. And mm-hmm. I think that was Timberland's whole thing was, "Hey, we've got only two games. Y'all have four, so why don't y'all come play here?" And I think Jason said, "Well, you know, we we don't we we'd rather just play at home." So yeah. that's kind of how that went. But what I'm hearing, and I I, I can't. Uh, I can't release that now, but I, I'm hearing that uh, maybe Aner has somebody lined up, but I, I think we'll find out that for sure um, 
uh, here uh, in the next day or two. All right. Well, that hopefully they can get a uh, get an opponent for next week. Sticking with some scheduling, uh, I know Loris is still looking for an opponent for the 16th. Any updates on their search? If they've got any teams that potentially could be lined up? No, honestly, I haven't heard uh, really anything from uh, Coach uh, Mance um, in terms of scheduling. So uh, I'm assuming that that's, that that search is still still ongoing, and I, and I know that that's been the biggest uh, issue for a majority of the coaches is just trying to find games to fill those slots. Um, so you know. Who knows if they're going to be able to do that or not. And I know some teams are, are uh, deciding not to play at all. I know Lee Central decided, uh, I think it was last week, that they weren't even going to play any fall sports. Um, mm. So they're not playing sports at all this fall, wow. uh, regardless of what it is. So that took a region game out of that region. So Marion Mullins and, and those guys, the Andrews, that were planning on playing Lee Central in their region, well, that that's a region game they lost. Uh, so... Um, you know, it, it's going to be a battle all year to try to find games, and I, I'm not sure if anybody can this late in the season is going to be able to, to pick up uh, pick up a game or not. So I, I think that whatever they've got left on their schedule at this point may be what they have. I, I know a lot of the higher-end schools, you know, the, the upper-region schools uh, are, you know, they have some big matchups. I know Carolina Forest is playing Westwood and Wilson as their non-region games. So those those two games are going to be big uh, for for both schools uh, competing. Uh, it's been great talking to you. One final question before we let you go. I know you're an old Miss alum. What you yes, think of the lane train? Uh, what do you think of the lane train going to Ole Miss? You know what? When I when I first heard the hire, um, I was actually excited about it. I, I liked what he did down in Florida, turning that program around and doing what he did. Now, does Lane have some baggage? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but does he have the drive to and uh, the the uh, you know the hunger to 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 rebound and and show that he could be successful in the SEC or at that level school? Absolutely, and I think that's the biggest thing for Lane. I think he wants to go out and prove uh, that he can win and be successful. Um, at that level. Uh, and Ole Miss is a good place to do that at. Um, he's a great recruiter. Uh, he's, he's already kind of setting the tone uh, for being able to, to recruit and, and get some, get some so- solid players in. I know this year has been kind of a struggle due to COVID, but I think this year he's using as, as the opportunity to get some players in there that are going to add some stability, some depth at some key spots that we need them at. Um, and then, you know, then I think he turns the attention to next year where he starts bringing in some of those higher four stars and maybe gets a five star here and there, uh, to come play. So I'm excited about, uh, about what he's, what he's going to bring. He's an offensive minded guy. Uh, and that's good. We've, we've been pretty explosive, um, in terms of our offense in the last five or six years, seven years. Uh, so I like that. I think he'll turn around our defense. That's kind of been our Achilles heel over the last couple of years. Our defense has not been very good, uh, but I think he'll he'll turn that around. I love the staff that he's put together at Ole Miss. Um, I like uh, he's uh, you know they came out with these new baby blue powdered uniforms. They're going to go up against Florida. Uh, that was Kiffin's design, his his thing, and the players love it. They love playing for him. So yeah, 
I, I'm excited to see what he's going to bring. Um, will they be successful this year? Eh, you know, we might win four games, and that's understandable. Uh, but I think down the road, I, I think he's going to get us to where we're going to uh, be able to compete for an SEC championship. Yeah, Ole Miss looking like they may be able to build something out there with Lane Kiffin. It's been a long time coming for the Rebels, so hopefully for you as an alum that they're able to that they're able to do it. Uh, yeah, it's, a lot it's been for... uh, it's been overtime. It's been a long long overdue since the last time. Yeah. You know, we we haven't won a national championship since the '60s. So it's uh, and we haven't sniffed an SEC. Well, we we kind of got close to an SEC title, but. We never made it to the championship game. So, yeah, it's about time we, we get over the hump. <laughs> well, I'm certainly hoping uh, that for you that they do. And uh, I'm good luck. Uh, have fun watching uh, Coastal tonight against uh, Campbell. And and maybe we'll maybe I'll see you at a game later on in the season. Uh, may, maybe we'll I'll have you on next week. Go yeah, ahead. I'll be at the Carolina Forest Conway game. As a matter of fact, uh, what three weeks, two weeks, whatever that game is. Uh, two weeks, two weeks. That's the yeah. That's I'll, the, I'll uh, be I'll be there. there. Yeah, come up and uh, say hi, and uh, maybe we'll have you on next week again to talk to prepare for uh, the first week of regular season play uh, next week. All right, sounds good. Appreciate it, Brandon. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Yep, talk to you next week. That was Brandon Dunn, sports director over at uh, WPDE, uh, Channel 15 ABC. Great great talking to him. Uh, very knowledgeable. Love watching his stuff. And he, he gave me more work. He's going to put the uh, Carolina Forest preview on Thursday night. So, Or I think he said Wednesday night, actually. So. But still, it's going to be right right before the season starts. So, Watching that and getting more notes is going to be interesting. We'll take a quick break and then come right back and wrap things up, talk a little bit more national sports. Again, if you want to call in, talk some sports, whether local, regional, national, what have you, that number, 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll be right back and we'll... Finish it off strong here on Sports Unlimited.
Welcome back as we have a in the show. Going to finish it off strong as my dog decides to bark in the background. Hope you guys, uh, hope you guys don't hear that. But dog is trying to uh, put in his two cents, saying that the dogs are going to win. Uh, but yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. That was great having Brandon on the show, and uh, he's always fun to talk to. Great knowledge of Grand Strand sports, and you know, it's gonna be fun uh, seeing him in a couple of weeks over at Carolina Forest when they face Conway. Finishing it off, we'll talk some NBA news first. Nuggets were upset by the Clippers with a. Big win in Game 7 to move on to the Western Conference Final. I was shocked on that one. You know, the Clippers were up in the series 3-1. And on top of that, you know, with what I, you know, I mentioned this when, with the Dallas series. You know, the big, you know, the, the money matchup going into the playoffs, especially with the bubble and especially with everything that happened. Uh, and with how people were talking going into, you know, going into the break when, when things got shut down, everyone was saying the money matchup is LA versus LA Clippers Lakers. And I thought for sure that the NBA was going to do everything that they could to keep that money matchup alive. And yet the nuggets, the nuggets just made sure that no matter what they were making it to the Western conference finals and they did it. So kudos to them. I think the I think the Lakers are gonna probably not dominate them, but I definitely think the Lakers are going to the Western are going to the NBA Finals. But you know, stranger things have happened. I will say though, one of the things that I think this was the one matchup, especially I think that really got affected by the fact that this was in the bubble and that there were no fans. Because I think if this were under normal circumstances, Game 7 in a raucous Staples Center with Clippers fans wanting to, you know, will their team to get to that rivalry game, I think the Clippers would have won that game. Maybe, maybe not. You know, who knows? But I definitely think that would have played an impact on the game. I think the Clippers would have had a much more a much higher chance of winning that game and probably would not have slumped nearly as much as they did going into the home stretch in that game as they did. Some other NBA notes, Mike D'Antoni out as the head coach in Houston and the trend of losing, losing playoff teams, having their coaches canned continues. And Unfortunately for Rockets fans, though, I don't think a new coach is going to help the Rockets situation. And those graphics and with very limited trade options, even with them trying to offload Russell Westbrook, his draft stock has dropped immensely, or his trade stock, rather, has dropped immensely. So the likelihood that they're going to get a top caliber player for him is, is very small. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a good sign for the Rockets for them to be able to get what they need, which is a big man. They need to be able to get a big man in there in order to, 
be able to uh, complement that small ball approach that the team has had for so long. That's what they need in order to go further than they have. Small ball can only get you so far. It's it's like in baseball with uh, with hitting, or like in uh, bat, or like in football with a high octane offense. The offense can only get you so far. But as they always say, and Brandon and I were talking about it when it comes to football with that line with the line play. Uh, defense wins championships and power wins championships. If you don't have, especially in football and basketball, if you don't have a strong center and a strong power forward in basketball, or you don't have a strong offensive and defensive line in football, yeah, you may win some games, but you're not winning when it really counts. And, And Houston has shown that. One other big uh, big NBA news, Giannis Antetokounmpo unfollowed the Bucks and unfollowed a couple of the players. Seems like he's going to ask to get out of Milwaukee, but now the key question is where does he land? Considering the, the Bucks are going to want draft picks for him, I doubt he goes to Houston because they don't have any draft picks. I could potentially see Golden State unless they're really high on one of the top prospects in the draft, I could see Golden State trying to trade that number two overall pick that they have to Milwaukee for Giannis. And I could see it potentially happening. And that would suddenly make, you know, Golden State, yeah, they had injuries this year, which didn't help them. But they... They still have that roster. They still have the talent on that team to be at the top of the West. That would be a very, very interesting Western Conference discussion because you have the Lakers with all their pieces. Some of the Clippers, though, they're kind of, you know, they're kind of in limbo right now, I would say, especially after how they lost to the Nuggets. And then you'd have the Warriors again. If they can stay healthy, that could be a very, very interesting one-two race next season between Golden State and, and the Lakers. And then one final uh, NBA news, both Milwaukee and Toronto got knocked out of the playoffs, which was a shocker. Celtics heat, you know, making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, they've been, it's been a very entertaining series thus far though, between those two lower seeded teams. And I'm not sure if it shows that the Bucks and Raptors are just regular season only teams or that the Eastern conference is much more competitive now and, and has a much better parity than the West, but those two teams really need to get their act together if they want to, uh, you know, Want, want to do something more next season. We got about 10 minutes left. And it, again, if you want to call in and talk some sports real quick, while we've got the final couple of minutes left, that number three, two, three, seven, eight, four, nine, six, eight, one, that number again, three, two, three, seven, eight, four, nine, six, eight, one. Some football notes real quick. 
week one is in the books for the NFL. Uh, some big games that were uh, out this week, or some big games that happened this week. Eagles looked like they were playing well, uh, but then blew their lead uh, to Washington. Not a good sign for Philly if they want to win the the NFC East, which looks like it's going to be up in the air again. Looking for, you know, looking in the NF, NFC East again at the nightcap, Cowboys pulled the Cowboys on Sunday night. They were looking good, looking strong, but then to lose to the Rams in the opener of SoFi Stadium. Like I mentioned last week, the NFC East looks like it's going to be a dumpster fire again. Washington is in the lead right now. They're the only one that won last week. Giants also lost to the Steelers. They looked well to begin with, but then blew it. And then the other matchup that was of note was the Jaguars beating the Colts. And this shows what I thought about the Colts uh, last week. A lot of people have been high on the Colts this week or going into the season. But I don't see them being a real threat in the AFC South. I think it's a it's a battle between Houston and Tennessee this year for the AFC South. Some games to watch in the NFL this week. You got Giants Bears, those two teams kind of in a not necessarily rebuilding stage, but very uncertain future and, and a lot of question marks uh teams and this will be a game that will really test to see who's ready to take that next step. Jaguars Titans, you know, it'll be a chance to see both if the Jaguars, after being the Colts last week, like I mentioned, not as high on the Colts as a lot of people have been, but could the Jaguars be legit this season? And, you know, are the Titans, you know, where are the Titans in terms of the pecking order? Panthers Bucks. This will be an interesting matchup to see how Tom Brady plays against a team that's definitely more winnable than the Saints, and also to see how Teddy Bridgewater continues uh, to do in in Carolina. Washington and Cardinals, two teams that won their first games and were kind of shockers to win their first game, see who's the, the pretender and who could potentially be a contender this season. Not sure if either one will be, but could be a good sign if one of these teams, you know, for whoever's able to go 2-0, and that would be a great start for both of those teams. Patriots-Seahawks Sunday night, Cam Newton continuing his revenge tour in in New England and Russell Wilson obviously wanting to continue playing well in Seattle and then Saints Raiders Monday night Raiders played well against the Panthers and you know like I mentioned got a lot got a few Grand Strand guys over in Las Vegas now the Raiders are legit or if the Saints continue building on their hot streak speaking of the Saints though they had some bad news come out this week Michael Thomas expected to miss several weeks due to a high ankle injury. Big blow for the Saints. And but I think Drew Brees has enough have enough has enough pieces around him, especially with Alvin Kamara signing again and being in the fold. 
Saints have enough to survive without Michael Thomas, but still not not a good sign for the Saints. Wrapping it up in college, like I mentioned earlier, South Carolina named former Dorman quarterback Colin Hill as their starter. Luke Doty will be starting the season at wide receiver. A bunch of cancellations this week as a result of COVID, which is not a good sign. Which is not a good sign going uh, forward. Coaches really need to get things going, get things in gear. Memphis, Houston canceled due to 40 Memphis players either getting the coronavirus or being in quarantine after apparently getting on a party bus following their win over Arkansas State last week. Not a good sign. The coaches need to keep their players under control. But at the same time, we don't necessarily know if that was the reason. Central Arkansas was also postponed due to a positive, a position group for Arkansas State not having enough players due to positive tests. Not sure if the Memphis and Arkansas State cases are connected, but if they are, this shows the risk of playing right now. Don't think anything's going to happen as a result of it, but still not a good sign. UNC against Charlotte was also postponed due to positive tests. And then on the flip side, you've got Ed, Ed Orgeron over at LSU claiming most of his team at LSU has contracted the virus. If this is really the case, then it's not a good sign at all. But like I've said before, and like I'll say again, things seem to just be moving forward without worrying about what's going on with the virus, who it affects. It's not a good sign moving forward overall, but that's the world we're in now. On on the same side, on the flip side, and this really shows how crazy and out of control college football is. While all of these games are getting postponed, and Ed Ordron's out here saying that his whole team has contracted it, or at least the majority of it has cr- contracted it, which should be an indication to you know some of the you know cooler heads in the room to say, hey, you know maybe this isn't the greatest idea. Instead. The Big Ten has essentially been peer pressured into restarting the season. They announced they're going to play starting at the end of October. I'm still not sure if it's the right thing to do, but like I've been saying, it seems like everyone's just moving forward without worrying about the virus. The Big Ten was peer pressured into returning, which shows kind of a weak mindedness amongst the leadership in over in the Big Ten. And, you know, what we've been seeing it throughout this whole thing, it, you know, as soon as it was backlash, it, it seemed like Big Ten and the president and, and the commissioner thought that by them saying they were postponing that it was going to start a domino effect that was going to get all of the other schools to join them. And then as soon as they did it and and schools within the Big Ten started, you know, bashing the conference for for deciding to postpone the season, then they suddenly tried to backtrack, which does not show leadership whatsoever. And that's exactly what the the college fo- that's exactly what college football needs right now. 
they need someone with a backbone. They need someone with real leadership. And unfortunately, we don't have it. And and on top of that, now with the Big Ten moving forward, long as the Pac-12 uh, gets uh, gets some get gets approval from the states, they may be coming back as well as may the MAC. So you know we may have a full slate of football uh, moving forward. Some final notes as we're just about a minute uh, before the show is over. NCAA announced college basketball will start November 25th and also extended the recruiting dead period to the end of the season. That means no in-person recruiting for any football really hurts kids in programs that don't necessarily record everything. A lot of the programs around here, no real worry, but that definitely does hurt some of the, you know, the program's further out and finally ncaa declared that election day each year starting this year will be an off day to be made a national holiday so everyone can go out to vote and mandate that employees for essential workers get an opportunity to go vote if they have to work that day that's my psa for the day go out to vote make your voice no matter who you're voting for And that's all I have to say about that. That'll wrap it up for me. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. So long, everyone. Available right now. All right. Yeah, I I tried calling yesterday, and uh, he tried calling me back this morning, but I was uh, doing some other things, uh, so I didn't get the chance uh, to answer. And I was just calling him back. Um, so yeah, if you could just, I, I'm I'm what? Um, I just had a couple of questions for him. Um, so yeah, if you could just have him give me a call back whenever he's he's free today. Um, well, I um I work over at uh, Carolina Forest uh, with the football team, and I just had a question for him. Um, yeah. Two zero one. Two eight zero seven nine five one. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> 